in a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a great place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man at Shawshank felt free. It pissed the warden off something awful. Open the door. Open it up! The frame, open this door! Turn that off! I am warning you, Dufresne, turn that off! Do I like movies with huge lifts at the end? But uh, if you want to achieve extreme upliftment, it means you have to be pretty far down first, right? This usually requires the protagonist to figuratively crawl through a river of shit. And then there's Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I guess when director Frank Darabont heard the shitty aphorism back in film school, he took it to be literal. The rest is history. And now you know the rest of the story. Greetings, lookers! Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine, the podcast that's one part game show, one part movie discussion where we never know what we're watching next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that red hen icon. And there's four episodes in Series 7, this being our final episode of the series. Series theme is Oscar Losers That Should Have Won. Today we'll be discussing The Shawshank Redemption, 1994, which is a prison drama feature film that's currently streaming on HBO Max and Peacock and is probably playing on a channel near you at this very moment. At uh, any given day of the year and in every corner of the universe, in perpetuity, ad infinitum, until rapture. May God have mercy on your soul. Speaking of Marduk, Slayer of Tiamat, uh, may he also show infinite mercy to those joining me today, because like the ancient gods of Babylon... I'm here today with my distinguished co-hosts who are likely offering a sacrament to Marduk as we speak. 
uh, lest they draw his omnipotent wrath. So we'd better check in on their conversation already in progress. Hey, gang. Howdy. Hello. Hey. <laughs> With us today, the provocative one, Mr. Devin Schwartz. The game is on. Indeed. And my good friend, the incendiary James Pepe. It's me, James. And I think this whole movie was just sold on Morgan Freeman saying the name Andy Dufresne a lot. I mean, it sold me on it. It's so <laughs> pleasing to hear him say those that name. It is. It should be a loop tape. It should be like the comeback uh, concept um, track, like uh, where uh, Revolution 9 failed. Andy Dufresne will succeed. Yeah. There should Andy be a 10-hour hour cut of this on YouTube. Some birds' colors are just too bright. And to do free. Just hit repeat. Yeah. <laughs> that would lull me into a gentle slumber. Uh, what about you, the irrepressible gentleman, the irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott? Hey, Jim. Hey, and greetings, gentle listeners and friends. So are you in for the uh, Andy Dufresne uh, concept track? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would be a good one. Just a litany. Totally. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm curious uh, what's going on in current events. So why don't we check the headlines and find out what's in the news today? Oh, boy. Extra, 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 read all about it. All right. Let's start off by checking today's headlines with Mr. Devin Schwartz. What'd you find in the uh, news today? Anything interesting? Yeah, I got a, a, a nice juicy headline for you. Uh, this is a, a bit of a long one. It's out of it's out of a South American newspaper, so you know they do things a little differently. Longer sure. headlines, more common. Uh, it says amateur boat restorers found dead on beach after setting out on maiden voyage with zero sailing experience. Witnesses claim when asked about safety precautions, sailors responded, "Hope is all we need." Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> hope will not keep oh, you afloat. Man. Got him. Contrary <laughs> to that other movies, uh, yeah. That was a long headline, but you know, when in South America, um, exactly. that's just that's their way. So I, I accept that completely they're, without checking. They're short on pubic hair, long on <laughs> headlines. Hey, there you are, Gunner. James Pepe, what have you got for us today? Yeah. So this. I found this headline. So like, this was like, you know how they have the late edition that's for like the whole family and then the the late shows for just like for the adults. So this yes. was like the late, the late edition. They got a little blue. <laughs> so this, this headline, <laughs> this headline uh, reads the Shawshank Redemption, the perfect movie to watch uh, for like 45 minutes while you're fucking folding your laundry or some shit like that. I don't know. Shrug emoji. <laughs> all right i can't wait to get into nice. this conversation <laughs> you know that's actually funny. i have to admit i have probably have done that very thing everybody on the face of the earth has done that. when talking yep. to cat about this movie that we were going to be watching it as a you know keep her updated she responded oh i watched the first half of that movie yeah <laughs> so, that's funny uh seems a common occurrence i'm digging for a fact but um i'll I'll try to find it later and confirm. Uh, it's in my notes somewhere, but in 2013 alone, the Shawshank... Oh, there it is. 
I found it. The movie was given 151 hours, which is six days and seven hours of airtime on U.S. channels in one year. Wow. So it's out there. Mm. You'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else is out there? One more headline. Yeah, it will. It will. Uh, Jim, (laughs) what found you in the news today? Yeah, so I, I like uh, flipping to the back of the newspaper, you sure, know, the arts, course. entertainment, the crossword puzzle. And I found this under points to ponder. Fun fact, after 1994, the number of geology majors at online colleges went up an amazing 40%. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, <laughs> the amount of rock hammers sold to prisons went up 150 yeah. <laughs> percent, which actually should come due now. If it was 94, yeah, a lot of people should be due to break out any day now. It only takes yeah. 20. Oh no, it's okay. They would have already broken out 10 years ago and been recapturing. Right. All right, old news. Right. Old news. <laughs> <laughs> right. I remember, the, headlines, I remember the, the the Shawshank rash of, of escapees. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they all did the pose. Here, I'll flip back to the poster. Yeah. They all did the pose in the rain and yeah. then were promptly recaptured and five, three to five years was added to each sentence. So don't do that. <laughs> Most unfortunate. Some of them didn't have a, 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 a sewer pipe to crawl through, so they had to supply their own poop. <laughs> BYOP. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was way harder to hide the poop than it was to hide the like little rock chisels. Yeah, you'd that think they that's off. right. You'd think the rock chisel would be the, the difficult thing. Yeah. Um, right. No, no, sir. No, sir. Yeah. How do you hide a whole tunnel of poop in a prison that has no poop tunnel for you? Okay. Initiate attempt to crawl out of the gutter. Uh, why don't we, why don't we do a rundown no, and find never. out what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay, it is time to do a little thing I like to call the rundown. There's the rundown you asked for. I may have expanded some areas that you weren't prepared for. Great. But I think... Fax that to everyone on the distribution list. Um, sure. Do you want to look at it first? Do I need to? No. No, no, I just... Want to make sure we have the same format. Just faxing my dad a rundown. I wish it was a deleted scene of him just his dad calling like, what is this? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> our boss Charles Miner just made it a rundown and Jim from the office just handed the dossier to me. So let's see what I have for us on the Shawshank Redemption. So, uh, as I said before, the Shawshank Redemption is a prison drama feature film released in 1994. Um, And I believe it was up against Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump that year. So it did not do very well in the box office, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, It was rated R. Synopsis is very short. Two imprisoned men bond over a number of years, finding solace and eventual redemption through acts of common decency. Um, and uh, Tim, is it Tim Robbins? Is that the main actor in this? He yeah. mm-hmm. he said 
something to the effect of it's one of those rare uh, movies that's a non-romantic love story between two men. That was his quote. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty apt. Um, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, it was just a little film that came out. Uh, IMDb. It is the highest rated movie on IMDb. Number one. Highest rated. 9.3 out of 10. With over 2.5 million votes. Number one. Uh, I'm going to edit that yawn out, Pepe. Rotten Tomatoes uh, scored 91% critic and 98% audience score. Um, Studio awards and nominations. Here's where we talk about the category. The movie was literally uh, the movie that I submitted Oscar losers that should have won for as a category uh, because it was nominated for seven Oscars, including all the top awards, Best Picture, Best Actor, Morgan Freeman, um, Best Writing, Cinematography, Sound Editing, and Music. And it won zero. Uh, however, it did rack up some non-academy wins to the tune of 21 wins with 48 nominations, including uh, Screen Actors Guild Awards for both Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. So I'll ring that up for those guys. A notable cast and crew, there's plenty. Morgan Freeman, uh, who's that? He became everyone's favorite narrator from this point until present day. Um, we know all about Morgan Freeman's career. Um, Tim Robbins, uh, who has haunted me since childhood with Jacob's Ladder. I watched that much too young. Yep. And uh, was very charming in the Coen Brothers uh, movie, The Hudsucker Proxy. Have you guys seen that one? No. That's pretty good. That's, uh, oh, okay. I was going to uh, say, that's one of the bad Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, people, it's a guilty pleasure for me. I, I watched it oh, when okay. I was about 12, so I was like, this is great. It's like my first Coen Brothers movie. I can't uh, believe that movie held your attention at, at the age of 12. Yeah, whenever it came out. Uh, yeah, it would have been sometime in my early teens or something, I think. Um, no, it was just kind of like slapsticky, silly comedy with some other stuff going on. So, yeah, it definitely held my attention. It was one of those films that played like nonstop again on like HBO back in the day. You know how they had like their grip of like 12 films they would play all the time. That yeah, was right. one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so uh, original short novel by one Stephen King. Um, the writer director Frank Darabont also did the Green Mile after this. I guess he figured uh, Hollywood Studios would line up to throw money at him to make another Stephen King uh, prison adaptation. And it turned out pretty good too, critically, in uh, the box office. Other notable movies he's done uh, he wrote The Blob, the remake that was in the 80s. Um, kind of got stuck in a rut writing uh, uh, horror movie sequels. He wrote A Nightmare on Elm Street, Three Dream Warriors. Uh, he did write. Uh, oh, oh, that's one of the good sequels, though. Oh, I, I like yeah, that one. Yeah, that that's a great one. That's maybe the best sequel out of the Nightmare ones. That's the one I like the best. Um, because that has that uh, kid that becomes the uh, D&D wizard in the dream. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the good stuff. Um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yep. He wrote that one, the one with uh, De Niro. Um, on TV, he was a writer on the young Indiana Jones TV show. And he's the sh- one of the show creators. I, I don't know if there's more than one, but he is listed as a creator for the walking dead TV series. Hmm. Um, interesting. Yeah, totally. I had no idea. Another interesting note, uh, William Sadler, who played Haywood also played death in bill and Ted's bogus journey. 
And Clancy Brown, who played Captain Hadley, was Sergeant Zim in Starship Troopers. And then, uh, of course, Mark Ralston, who played Boggs, was Private Drake in Aliens. And Della Hunt in the Academy Award winning The Departed. Mm. So that's where you know those guys from. Interesting. Yeah. Speaking of interesting. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jim. We'll speak of interesting again. Oh, oh yeah. No, I was just going to uh, remark that he also, I believe he directed The Mist. Yes, yeah. he did. And that was listed. the ending from the story. Yeah. How was that received? Uh, as far as I know, really well. I mean, you know, the ending is what really sticks with people um, in discussing um, the movie. The series, I'm, they made a series. I, I don't know if he was involved with that uh, in what, 2018, 2017, somewhere around there. I personally liked it, the, the, the series, but, you know, it never went anywhere from season one. I see. Yeah, I, I just I wasn't familiar with that IP, so I didn't mention it. But uh, it was one of the ones that said under the like, you know, known for. It was definitely up there. Yeah, that's good. It seems like he's a pretty solid, turns in solid work at least. Um, mm-hmm. They're not. They can't all be the number one movie on IMDb. Um, let's see. Oh, speaking of interesting, uh, here's some. Did you know? Uh, Andy and Red's opening uh-huh. chat in the prison yard in which Red is throwing a baseball took nine hours to shoot. Dear God, what was it, the first day on the shoot? Uh, Morgan Freeman, poor Morgan Freeman, threw the baseball for the entire nine hours without a word of complaint. He showed up for work the next day with his arm in a sling. That must have been fun. They also, uh, I also read somewhere that, that were, they were on such a tight schedule that they literally would fine anyone who was late to the shoot. Or like they said, they would levy a fine. I don't know if they ever pulled the trigger on that, though. Um, Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford, Paul Newman, Gene Hackman, Robert Redford, and Robert Duvall were considered for the part of Red. Um, In the original novel, Red is a middle-aged white Irishman with graying red hair. However, Frank Darabont always had Morgan Freeman in mind for the role because of his authoritative presence, demeanor, and deep voice. Red's reply, maybe it's because I'm Irish. Uh, to Andy's inquiry about his nickname was kept in the film as a joke. Uh, this is kind of nice. I, I guess Stephen King and Frank Darabont must be friends. Uh, and Stephen King never cashed his uh, 5K check for the film rights. Several years after the movie came out, uh, King got the check frame, mailed it to Frank Darabont with a note inscribed, in case you ever need bail money, love Steve. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. 5K, got paid 5K for this movie? Jeez. 5k yeah yeah exactly well he may have had points or renegotiated something those contracts mm-hmm. are weird um but yeah just like to get the much. rights i think it was just to hold to get the rights to actually take a shot at adapting it it probably had a clause that timed out after a certain amount of like a couple years or something um when andy goes to the library to be in work at brooks this is some good acting stuff when Andy goes to the library to begin work as Brooks' assistant and Brooks' crow, Jake is squawking. Tim Robbins had to time his line, hey, Jake, where's Brooks, so that the crow wouldn't squawk over him. Since the bird could not be trained to squawk on cue, Robbins was able to time his line perfectly by learning the bird's squawking patterns, for which writer-director Frank Darabont praised him. This is Stephen King's... Well, go ahead. 
I was going to say, I think that that the uh, person who wrote this is being judicious with the word could not, because crows absolutely can be trained to, to squawk on cue. That crow had not been trained to squawk on cue, maybe. But I mean, crows are like the, the smartest animal. Other yeah, than it said humans. the bird could not be trained to squawk on cue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So crows are very, not, very smart. Trained, but yeah. Yeah, fire that trainer. <laughs> I just don't want to be, I don't want any crow slander on this podcast. Can I get a crow actor Whoa. that can actually uh, hit his mark? Uh, Stephen King, this is his favorite uh, film adaptation based on his own work. That tracks. Yeah. The young, the mugshots of young Red are actually Morgan Freeman's younger son, Alfonso. He also had a cameo in the movie, one of the dudes shouting, fresh fish, reel him in. He was also in Seven with Morgan Freeman the following year. Frank Darabont, this is always interesting what directors, where their minds are at. Frank Darabont watched Goodfellas every Sunday while shooting this film and drew inspiration from it on using voiceover narration and showing the passage of time, which I think Shawshank uh, unimpeachably does well. Um, This is a weird one. It's kind of dark. Oh, it's probably from the short story. Maybe mentioned there. Although it's never directly stated in the film, Brooks is in prison for allegedly murdering his wife and daughter after a losing streak of poker. Makes it just a little harder to feel sorry for him. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was, it bombed at the box office, but Warner shipped 320,000 rental copies to video stores. And it became one of the most rented videos of 95 and one of the highest grossing video rentals of all time. They also re-released it in the theaters and on that second run after the Academy Award buzz, it made money. But the first uh, release was a flop. As I said, I think it was up against Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump, which were just juggernauts. That reminds me of like modern day movies that don't do great in theaters, but then do really good on streaming platforms, you know, or even shows. Yeah, that, that is the table. equivalent. There's a there's a whole thing where like uh, in a lot of Europe, Young Sheldon is like the number one show on Netflix, like far, far surpassing anything oh, wow. else. It's like their top show. And I don't think it did well on cable at all from what I've heard. I mean, it probably did OK ratings. But yeah, apparently it's like blowing up in uh, Europe on Netflix. So, oh, so it weird. Still happens. Interesting. <laughs> that is weird. Yeah. yeah. In some universe, uh, Cowboy Bebop TV series is a hit. No, um, <laughs> no, 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 not even in one. <laughs> Pickle, Pickle Rick begs to differ. Um, in in the in the clothes of Andy's hands, loading the revolver in the opening scene, the hands are actually those of Frank Darabont, who's the director. Later in the film, when Andy carves his name into his cell wall, seen twice in the film, Darabont's hands are used again for the insert shot. Uh, the reason why these close-ups were filmed during post-production, which happens, I've done that too. Um, notably because Darabont felt that only he could do exactly what he wanted in the close-ups. And I get that because like somehow sometimes like explaining a physicality is just easier to do it. And uh, Pete Jackson did that in mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, a certain scene when Samwise was stepping in to fight, to face off with the spider. It just, there was some like swagger to his step or whatever that he just couldn't get. Uh, Sean Austin or the stand-ins to do so he like uh, biked over there and did it himself so that's actually Peter Jackson stepping in there so it happens it's just sometimes words fail Uh, one more Uh, the opera song that I opened with uh, that is called Canzonetta Sol Aria from Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro Uh, and it was Tim Robbins idea for Andy to turn up the volume on the record player in the scene 
And that is your rundown. Nice. Excellent. Very good. Yeah, lots of fun facts on that one. I love those. Yeah. All right, bonus fact. John Favreau auditioned for the role of fat ass who got beat to death. He later told Empire Magazine that this was the worst audition he ever did, and it encouraged him to try and lose weight. Well, we're all trying, buddy. We're there with you. So yeah, there's your rundown. For realsies this time. All right, why don't we figure out (laughs) who done it? As if, uh, yeah, put your thinking caps on. This is a tough one. That's right, we've reached the segment of the show where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Winner with the most correct guesses at the end of the series will win a Who Dundee Award. So, since this is the last episode of the series, it stands to reason that it was me who done it. So, yes, it was. That is correct. So, now that we know who done it, it's time to find out <laughs> why done it. However, did I come up with the Shawshank Redemption? I mean, as you might guess, uh, it is the number one movie uh, on IMDb, and it is uh, has zero Academy Awards, even though it was nominated for all seven, so it fit the category perfectly. In fact, it was the reason why I came up with the category. It was up against Forrest Gump, which is still, I think, considered a very good movie. I think that this one just, as time has passed, uh, this one has stood the test of time a little better. Maybe it's because it's a period piece. Those tend to be a little bit more timeless. Although Forrest Gump kind of was a period piece. Not really, though. It It was a strange one. Um. Yeah, so it wasn't like some deep thought. It was like, yep, that's the one I'm going to submit for this one. And uh, for once, for the, the only time in this entire run of the show thus far, I was sure that it would be streaming somewhere. I didn't even have to look. <laughs> it is probably the most like on TV movie that you'll ever... Can you guys think of any other movie that is probably played more on television than The Shawshank Redemption? Well, the the entire Harry Potter franchise is like just on repeat on ABC Family, just like non like there's never anything else on ABC Family. It's just the Harry Potter franchise, just like over and over. But at least that's what it was like when I had cable. I don't know if it's still- that fills that channel, but does it fill like five channels? Uh, yeah, no, not not quite to this level. Um, while yeah. we're still on who who done it, I uh, I gotta say, Ben, you lucked out having this movie picked last because like this, I mean, I we all would have guessed you. <laughs> you're you're. Your gamer tag, your representation on all your gaming platforms is literally the cigarettes that they give out in this movie. Oh, it's the only that's other funny. person who's seen that logo is in this movie. <laughs> and that's, on your that's gamer great. tag. Huh. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. yeah so I would, I mean, lucky that strike. Alone, I would have guessed you immediately. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not like it's like, oh, I have Shawshank Redemption <laughs> tattooed on my arm or something. It's no, on no. my butt. No, um, it's just that uh, this fit the category so well, and it's and it really is a. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those movies that yeah, if it's on TV, I'll watch it at least for a few minutes or whatever. And it's actually done. Mm-hmm. It's it's constructed in a way where if you've seen the story once, they tell 
the story in little segments. So it really like can be broken up into these parts really readily and easily. So I think that may lend to why it's such a popular like TV movie to throw on because you can basically join in at any point and watch a segment or two and get, get in and out and uh, still get uh, a, a good uh, watching's worth, I think. But before we get too far, let's just make sure uh, we find out who's seen it. Obviously, I've seen it. Uh, I let's let me ask this though: Did anyone see this in the theater? If you've seen it, because like nobody saw this in the theater, we've all we all basically—I don't want to speak for you guys, but um, most of the world saw this first on videotape. I did not see it in the yeah. theater. Yeah, me neither. It was definitely a rental or on TV. What about you, Devin? You've seen this, right? I had not seen this until oh, today. Oh, interesting. Whoa. Oh, cool. Very Neat. Yeah. Once again. Oh. Awesome. Another, it's another just gap in my, yeah, in my movie watching uh, history. Gap. Um, one of the reasons I'm on this podcast. Yeah. To fill yeah I mean, it was before he was born, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Before. yeah. yeah. Okay. Check. Two and a half hours long. This Check. Is, yeah. Right. Are, this is not a movie that Devin is going to watch. <laughs> well, gap filled. <laughs> so congratulations. Hopefully it was a fun watch for you. Once Family Guy does a parody of a movie, I'm like, yeah, why watch it? I, you know, I got, I got it. Everything. Right. Got yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the real question yeah, is right. why are you watching Family Guy? Yeah. I no, I mean, it's equally that's... Much Family Guy as a teenager. Yeah. Who, what, what's wrong with Family Guy? Oh, you don't like, you don't <laughs> like uh, um, Rick and Morty either. So do you not like the, the no, adult cartoons? I do, part, I do like Rick cartoons? and Morty. Oh, you do like Rick and Morty? Yeah. Oh, okay. Family Guy's a little, jump the shark. <laughs> Well, sure. Yeah. I still, I still quote them sometimes. There's some, there's some pretty funny stuff. I was talking about one of their things where their cutaways are still, they've, they're just funny sometimes, whether or not you even like the idea of the cutaway. Yeah. Well, I won't, I won't do the bit. Um, I've been, uh, I've been, uh, um, basically barraging my wife with a few lines from family guy this week. I'm not going to do it. I'm I'm tempted. Okay. So, yeah, exactly. I'll resist the family guy. I'm curious about your watch, Devin, but I also noticed that when I mentioned we were watching Shawshank Redemption that Pepe rolled his eyes, which clued me into the fact that there's something going on here. There's some kind of history with Shawshank with you or whatever. So, I, why don't we start with you and I'd love to just kind of hear where you're at with this thing. Oh, start with me. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, because you, I noticed you rolled your eyes when I mentioned we were watching it. So, um, yeah. was it because it was obvious or because you hate it or what's the deal with you and Shawshank? No. We must know. Uh, well, I just think this movie is just like, I don't know, just like the most basic movie. I, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to express for me. Like, it's I don't a basic good movie because it does. Go by the numbers, Pepe. I have that in my notes too. Is that what yeah. you're getting at? It hits every single structure note that there is, like classic structure notes. If you look at those, it hits them all dead on. Yeah. Well, I think so. I guess I've been thinking about it a lot, actually. Good. Why I don't like this movie very much. Um, Did you ever like I it? Think, you know, I don't know. I, this was the first time in a very long time that I watched this movie, like, start to finish. Okay. Um, and I was more bored than I thought I would be. Um, I was really feeling the runtime. 
I didn't expect to be as bored as I was. Uh, I expected I I had a I had my memory of it was that it moved along a little bit at a better clip than it than it does. Um, but yeah, I think that um, this movie is a movie that like asks nothing of you as a viewer. It just sort of happens to you. It sort of just like passes in front of you. I don't know. Just like it just happens to you. It, yeah, it challenges you in no way at all. Um, even I think that like <clears throat> there's a there's a there's a there's a way in like even the like way it's filmed in its like sort of like obvious perfection is boring. Um, yeah, it's and so I the way I've described this movie in the past is that it's like it's the best vanilla ice cream you've ever had, but it's vanilla ice cream. You know, that's I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I consider this though. I mean, after a film is like that is made, it looks real effortless because it's so good. But that was not some kind of easy, effortless thing for them to achieve that level of perfection. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it was easy. Um, but it's, it's odd when you like. Like this, this movie doesn't even have like a Dutch angle or like a Hitchcock pull or any, it's anything. Any no, of it does stuff. not. No. Yeah. And so it's, it's just uh, like. It, it's it rooted in like, classic yeah. filmmaking, I think, to make it more of like a timeless product rather than get hitched to a certain style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like pretty much all the shots are just like, you're looking at the guy who's talking, then you're looking at the other guy who's talking or both the guys who are talking are in the frame or it's like an establishing shot and then a dolly or like a, or a crane or whatever to like whoever's going to be talking in the scene, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have the visual dexterity that like the lighthouse had for like, just to compare it to a movie where like two people are talking a lot, you know, and kind yeah. of trapped somewhere. Um, that movie was definitely more dynamic in its camera work and stuff. Um, and it's set work and lighting and stuff like that where, it, but it was more stylized. Um, yeah. I wonder if that was because of Frank Darabont. It wasn't like, didn't have like a lot of directing under his belt, but I'd like to think it was because he wanted to give it an institutional feel to, that just kind of lent itself to the filmmaking. I, I would argue that it supports that kind of like structure of prison. Yeah. I think if you wanted to give it the most like charitable read you could, I remember there was a story, a short story that we read, um, by, um, shoot, I, by the, the same guy who wrote, um, the Scarlet Letter, uh, the Scarlet Letter. I don't remember his. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Um, let's just, just look it up. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Hawthorne. Yes, got it. He wrote this Thanks, story Brian. about this like sleepy fishing town, and it's like fifteen pages of just like utter like drudgery. It's just so boring, and then you sort of realize it's like, well, it's boring because this town is fucking boring, um, and that's like what that's like the feeling he wanted to like instill in his readers uh, with the story, um, and I can sort of see that in this movie, right? Like everything in this movie happens very slowly 
is very like regimented. There's hardly anything new because of because of the setting, right? Like every moment of these guys' lives is is like on a schedule, right? They talk about that a number yeah, of times. Yeah, prison consists of uh, I forget what the what the word he uses there. Routines and more routines. Yeah. And 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 I think you could you could describe the cinematography in that way too. It's just like routine, you know. Um, but it's like it's good. Like there's not, you know, it's it it does what it set out to do, but it didn't set out to like you know shoot the moon. <laughs> so, but it did shoot the moon. Pepe. But it sort of did. It yeah. Did. Yeah, it's like I said, it's the best vanilla ice yeah. cream you'll ever have. But it's no, that's I, I can't deny that that's an that's an excellent take uh, of the movie. However, I also think that there's something else special going on with this film, which I hope we can kind of figure out. Otherwise, I don't think it would be the number one movie. Um, Devin, it was your first watch. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I wanted to chime in there, but I wanted Pepe to. to yeah yeah saying. sure um but yeah th- i had a very similar first experience uh to to pepe's feelings i don't think i thought of it quite i don't want to say negatively but i wasn't so critical about its sort of vanilla-ness um i when i first started watching it like the the, the thought the first thought i had without any sort of like language to describe it was like this is this is one movie of a movie <laughs> this is yeah, this right. is this is a movie right here that's kind of what the <laughs> 90s felt like in that way they were the most mm-hmm. that way of <laughs> i don't know there's <laughs> yeah, something about those 90s describe. movies that were like that yeah there was some kind of yeah. quality like they leaned into the like producing of the thing or something yeah Later, the the word that kind of came to my mind as I watched the movie more was like frictionless. Like it's just a frictionless movie. There's oh, no, that's in, good. In like every possible just way. slides over you. Exactly. It's just like it go it goes in one ear and out the other in in a sense. But it, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think I, I really enjoyed watching a movie like that. That's just like yeah, this is just perfect filmmaking in in a way that's like it's almost uncanny. Like you're, it's just like it wow, like this is this is it. This is the best it will ever get. Basically. Uh, in terms of just like technical performance and uh i don't know there's something like almost um i don't know there's got to be a word for this in some language but like the feeling you get going to like a museum where it's like here's all the best stuff in one place like here's all the most preserved dinosaur bones here's all the best paintings like like it, it was it's almost like a i guess an academical fascination is sort of the feeling i got from it it's very different than any other movie i've watched in that sense where it's not I mean, it was entertaining, but the more predominant feeling was like, this is fascinating on like an academic level. I don't know. It was, it was very, it was very enjoyable. I was surprised how much I liked it. Yeah. um, It doesn't waste a frame. Uh, It's very uh, economical. They didn't have a huge budget, but they made it, they just made it so goddamn efficient. Frank Darabont, reworked this script so much that you can tell you know that last 10 percent of a creative project takes a lot of effort because you've already like kind of tired at that point anyway and those last little details to make everything that level of perfect um it's like another 50 percent of effort on top of the 90 percent that you already did that's what it kind of feels like but he did that work and it showed i mean i my um, one of my mentors, writing mentors, worked with Frank Darabont on 
uh, the Young Indiana Jones series. And he had mentioned it previously about having read early versions of the Shawshank script and how bad they were. And, um, and, and but the, he credited Darabont for keep at, keeping at it again and again. And he'd read it and it got better and better. And eventually it became a kind of a rip roaring read um, as far as, you know, a paper movie is concerned. And that launched his career and launched a lot of other careers too. So yeah. he got there. Despite and it the shows. Length, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think despite the length, I didn't I, I didn't feel like the movie was wasting my time like a lot of other longer films we've watched have. Um I, yeah, I didn't find myself getting bored. It was like all of it felt it was just all made so well that it was like even when it was something in a typical movie, I'd be like, all right, how many times do we need to see uh, uh, Andy Dufresne like creating joy in this place because that's like a big mm -hmm. theme is like he's coming mm -hmm. into this place where there is no joy and he's creating joy and it, they sh keep showing us that over and over and I think in a in a normal movie I'd be like all right like we get that part of the story move on um, but in this one I don't know something about it was just still it was felt so fun genuine. to watch that yeah I didn't care that it was kind of repeating itself yeah and I um I felt the pacing was good in that. It just one, one. It was so efficient that one thing just naturally led to the next sequence. Um, and I've said this before that like filmmaking is the feature filmmaking is like making a bunch of really. If you're doing it well, you're making a bunch of really great shorts that thematically link together and do a story. Um, and this movie really shows that. Like that's why I said you could tune in at just about any point, catch that short film scare quote part of the film and get something like a story out of it um so he does that well i don't know if that came from the tv writing or just like hammering it in or whatever but he definitely got there but jim we haven't heard from you yet um i'm assuming you've seen it have you seen josh yeah. redemption yeah you had okay y yeah i i have it, it has been a while and mm -hmm. you're right you know as far as catching it i i've caught it you know when i used to have cable or, or or whatever but it would always be like in the middle to the end of it you know I'd, I'd watch either the entirety of it from that point on um or you know or skip out like what you were saying mm -hmm. and it's it, there's some things that are interesting i didn't know it was as i knew it was a popular movie but i didn't mm -hmm. know it was as popular as um what imdb has rated and what people have said that's that's actually not a surprise but i, I was just unaware um of that fact um as far as the enjoyment of the movie um i've read stephen king you know in his in his uh book of novellas different seasons a couple of times already before this movie came out and nice. so to see it put on the screen from the story that I've read, you know, a couple of times. And in fact, I've seen all the movies more than once from the novellas because you have the, you have the he body. He made three out of four uh, of that one first novella yes. that we're talking about. Yeah. They've made them all or most yeah. of them. Yes. Yep. So the, the body stand? stand by me. I've seen stand by that. Me, that's right. Not no, the stand. no. Yeah. Stand by me. Uh, apt people. Uh, yes. Uh, and the Shawshank Redemption. And, Shawshank and Redemption. I've read, I've read those novellas several times over cool so to see it in a in a movie and then to see it to to you know 
you know, currently that sweeping shot uh, where they establish uh, the prison and you get, you can see that bird's eye view. That music like going, that haunting mansion. music. Yeah. Yeah. And the haunting music and you can see it almost looks like a, a, a huge mansion from the facade until it creeps up even farther up and you can see the bars and you can see the stonework and you're realizing this is more than just a mansion. And then you see all the different yards that the prisoners are, are at. And then you come closer and you see them, you know, marching in, in tandem because it's probably yard over or whatever the case may be. Um, that is haunting, you, you know, even without the music. Um, and then, you know, you get to the story by beats and um, yeah, it's really enjoyable. There was one thing that I uh, pulled up on the IMDb because you said when you made that comment, there's something more to this movie that appeals to people. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to read this one short because yeah. I think this might encapsulate what you are, are talking about. So right, in April cool. 2008, yeah, in April 2018, while guests on NPR's It's Been a Minute with Sam Sanders, Tim Robbins talked about how often strangers tell him they love this movie. I'm proud of that film, really proud of that film. I've talked to Morgan about this. It's a pretty special, it's unlike other films that people talk to you about, it's very important to people in a deep way. And it's beyond just liking the film. It's more profound than that. I've had people tell me that it shifted the way they think, that it brought them out of a depression, that it made them understand a deeper truth about themselves. That's a pretty cool thing to be involved in. And when people are telling you pretty much on a daily basis, you're in my favorite movie of all time. That's a pretty cool bucket list thing to check off. You, you know, yeah. um, so I, I think it appeals to. And it may be cliche, but hope in a hopeless place. Yeah, that's the theme you know, for sure. The, yeah, it's about hope. Yeah. And whether or not yeah. hope is worthwhile when when things are yeah. that difficult, when the storm lasts that long. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing. Um I, because I think most of those things are true. I don't know that it directly lifted me out of a depression, but it definitely is a nice, uplifting end that pays off in that type of way. Um, yeah. But um, the some of the other stuff, like incorporating what you take away from the movie into your life and stuff, that's definitely true for me. Um, uh, one of the things was Andy's persistence something I've admired since mm -hmm. I watched it in the film that whole writing a letter a week um, is sort of like the postal version of water torture until the state controller yeah. uh, bought him off to make it stop um, you know uh, I've tried to in some ways incorporate that persistence into my own personality like I've set sights on some pretty lofty goals and uh, many times people have told me that what I want to do is not going to work or not happen. And so mm -hmm. like Andy Dufresne, I persist and I've um, been able to get there on most of these things. Um, and on the, the nice. other ones, I'll write two letters a week, right? So, uh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. I, well, since you talked nice. about shots, 
real quick. I really, mm-hmm. really, and this is the first time I, well, maybe I've noticed it before, but I noticed it this time. Uh, the shot of, and this is one of the rare dynamic shots, Pepe, you'll probably agree. The shot of, of Andy, a POV, him walking into Shawshank for the first time in chains. He's marched in. It's a POV and he starts just looking up uh, above the door and the camera pans up and we see Shawshank just looming over him. And uh, it's just this, with the music, is this terrible feeling of dread as the institution swallows his life up. You know, it's, it's a great shot. And that whole like entering into prison thing is almost cliche now. But at this point, like this movie was the one that defined that like going to prison for the first time thing, kind of in a way that um, Full Metal Jacket defined like joining the military, you know, like that made the mm-hmm. whole like that's what a lot of people think of when they think of I'm signing up for the military. If you're thinking of going to prison, you probably have images of, of Andy Dufresne marching in for the first time getting that lie on you and everyone's yelling at you and all that stuff. But I've seen it a million times since then. Right. Um, so, but go ahead, Jim, you had something you wanted to add. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk a, 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 about a little bit about Andy Dufresne's character. Yeah. You get a you get a sense that a lot of the things he does, he has a vision in mind and he knows what steps to take to, uh, to accomplish that vision. But you also get a sense that he aspires to these lofty goals. You know, these things of being more other-centered and some of these values, and he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't laud it. He doesn't say, well, this is the reason why I've done this. He's a quiet, unassuming man. So you have to look at his actions to infer and you can only infer why he's doing some of the things that he's doing. Um, yeah, the audience he, is in you know, a... And I find that... The audience is in an inferior position to him, is how we would put that. Uh, we don't know yeah. what Andy knows. We're not in on the plan in, in that case, right? Sure. And and it's it's almost a tell about... I mean, you can take that and apply that to... Uh, people that you have met and know in society, right? They they call them introverts. People that are sure. quiet, yeah. I'm assuming, and a lot of times they are seen. Keep your own counsel. Yeah, and a lot of times they are seen as, oh, they're just being uppity or ooh, they're being you know snotty, which is exactly the impression that Red had of him in the beginning until he exchanged words with him in that first conversation. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I thought that was really really interesting. You, you know, to be able to peek behind the curtain of somebody that you could see in, in, in regular life, you, you know, and get a richness. Um, and, so. and boy, did they pay that off in a, just an excellent way. It's like landing something like this is, is really where you achieve that perfection that we've all mentioned with this movie. Um, it's like, I I liken it to like, you know, a a gymnast routine, you know, you have to land it at the end Mm -hmm. and that landing is tough to stick. Um, but this one does, it sticks it and we do get to peek behind the curtain and it's so much fun to see what Andy had been working on this whole entire time beneath our noses too. Um, that's, that's fun. And then it also makes the movie rewatchable because you want to watch for that stuff. The next time you, you watch it, it's one of those, which I always love. 
uh, when you can go back for those extra details. So many plant and payoffs and callbacks, uh, though. That like like all movies, if you really are looking for the structure and the those mechanisms, you're going to see them. But I think that when you're mm-hmm. at least on first watch, I think the illusion holds up. That sort of organic illusion holds up. But there's a lot of stuff that like gets planted early on and called back uh, that just oh, kind yeah. of like you know end up hitting you all 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 in that last sequence at the end. Um, what about, let me play a clip of, uh, Brooks and I wanted to ask you Jim's uh, psychology thing and everyone else can chime in if they know, but I, I'm curious about the idea of being institutionalized and if that's a thing that is kind of professionally recognized and uh, studied. Just institutionalized. Institutionalized my ass. The man's been in here 50 years, Hayward. 50 years. This is all he knows. In here, he's an important man. He's an educated man. Outside, he's nothing. Just a used-up con with arthritis in both hands. Probably couldn't get a library card if he tried. You know what I'm trying to say? Fred, I do believe you're talking out of your ass. You believe whatever you want, Floyd. But I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First you hate them, then you get used to them. Enough time passes, you get so you depend on them. That's institutionalized. Shit, you can never get like that. Oh yeah? Say that when you've been here as long as Brooks has. Goddamn right. Send you here for life. That's exactly what they take. Part that counts anyway. So is he talking out of his ass? Is this is this a thing that happens to people that you know about? Any any of you guys? Jim? Let's start there. Um I mean, if you guys want to answer that question first, actually. Just based on your experiences, I, I, just, and I haven't looked into it. You know, yeah, no, I haven't looked into mm-hmm. it. But I always imagine that that has to be a thing where you eventually you just uh, have been doing it so long that you just don't know how to not do it anymore. I mean, that's probably how it is yeah. with live people anyway. As they get older, they get you know it is you do get used to your routine and your environment and stuff. But it's just so horrifying well, the idea that they can crush that freedom out of you. That, that that the light can well, go out. I'll use a really quick example. Um, okay. We, we if we have been doing our part um, in keeping ourselves safe, our family safe, and others safe around us, we have voluntarily institution institutionalized ourselves to a certain extent uh, by staying more indoor, indoors and going outdoors some more than others. So just as a question, um, has that effect? I mean, because I, I know you all, you guys, you know, we all kind of stay at home. Has it, has it affected you? And um, in what ways? And then I would bring up the example of anxiety and depression was already on the rise, but there are so many 
accounts of mental health issues because of uh, what we felt like we had to do, you know, what we've had to do to try to do our best to contain this virus. Um, everything from the the learning deficiencies uh, in children to teenagers, and that's just a small part. Um, yeah, institutionalized is a is a real thing. Um, I don't know from a like a psychology standpoint. I've never studied that, but I mean, imagine for years you are in a static place that does not change. You uh, you know the days change, but the place doesn't change. And it is a lot of routine. You're told what job you're going to do to a certain extent. You're told what meals you're going to eat. If you don't like it, that you can eat what comes on the commissary or the package. And that's it. Um, you know, the, the games, the, uh, uh, and these are just generalities, of course, uh, the channels that are on the television set that you in turn have to share with other people, unless you're living in a cell, you, you know, um, and then even then you might have to share that television with a cellmate. Um, and you there's vast portions of your life that are dictated to you. When you live a life like that for a long time, um, you get used to that. And then life outside of that is anxiety ridden. It's full of change and can be full of terror i've heard of people you, that you, you know the recidivism rate is so high i've heard of people that just can't make it on the outside anymore and i wonder if it really has to do with the fact that without that strict regiment they just don't know how to behave or or how to maybe behave is the wrong word but they just it's just it's too foreign yeah. at that point now that you well, mention it, I have heard people yeah. from like documentaries mention things like that. Like, hey, am I going to make it on the outside type of thing? Mm -hmm. Particularly in the case of someone like Brooks, who was in for 50 years, like obviously he's outlived presumably all of his family. We don't see him join yeah. him, get picked up sure. by anyone. So you, you have no one on the outside. You're completely trapped. They killed his in, family too. His immediate yeah, well, family, yeah. apparently. Wow. <laughs> Uh, you're trapped in whatever, you know, parole uh, uh, assigned housing you have, you know, you're, you're essentially still a prisoner because you are completely. Yeah. He wasn't free. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he was on parole. He was forced to get a job. He was forced to live in a particular like tenement house basically. And then on top of that, the world has completely changed as you know it. And like, obviously the rapid change that was happening in the early 20th century is not quite comparable to now, but still, like if you went into prison today and came mm -hmm. out in 50 years, the world's going to be significantly different. And, yeah, that's uh, fascinating to me too. Can you imagine? Yeah, you go away. He saw an automobile once when he was a kid, but yeah, that yeah. change the whole world would have been made over. I mean, we're we're talking about going away when cowboys are still running around, the last of them, you know, and and the bandits and that classic era, and then because uh, he was a, he got there in 1905, so. Just a different yeah. world. This is when airplanes yeah. first took off, you know. It's a big change. Exactly. Yeah. So like it's the crazy. mental shock of that on top of everything else, it's yeah, it's a it's a load that no mind could bear, I don't think, without some major change. Yeah, let me play the depressing Brooks payoff clip here. Just to make you feel bad before the lift. <laughs> Sometimes after work I go to the park and feed the birds. I keep thinking. 
Jake might just show up and say hello, but he never does. I hope wherever he is, he's doing okay and making new friends. I have trouble sleeping at night. I have bad dreams, like I'm falling. I wake up scared. Sometimes it takes me a while to remember where I am. Maybe I should get me a gun and rob the foodway so they'd send me home. I could shoot the manager while I was at it. Sort of like a, a bonus. I guess I'm too old for that sort of nonsense anymore. I don't like it here. I'm tired of being afraid all the time. I've decided not to stay. I doubt they'll kick up any fuss. Not for an old crook like me. So Brooks is like the mirror of Red's character. And where Brooks can't make it, Red is able to pull it out and do it for whatever reason. Uh, probably because of Andy, I imagine. Uh, and, and that helped. Um, but it's interesting that they really do wait until they know like they've crushed in this movie. Anyway, they've crushed the spirit, your spirit or whatever. Uh, the first time yeah. I, I read this in the somewhere that the first time red sits down for the parole board in the beginning, they say sit. And then the second time they say sit down. And then the third time when he's approved, they say, please sit down. And so, and I thought that was an interesting kind of evolution there. And then mm. on his side, it's only when he doesn't care anymore and is just like totally defeated yeah. uh, that they actually let him go. And it's it's almost in in a way it is a cruelty. It's like, oh, you're used to this now. Okay, well now we're gonna we found a way to further punish you now that you are an institutional person. Here, go out on the yeah. streets. Enjoy. I, actually, yeah. I found that to be I found that to be kind of odd because it seemed to run counter to a sort of like the message of the movie of like oh interesting holding on to your hope right well morgan freeman is the one who he also mirrors annie and then he advocates that hope is dangerous and not good to hold on to and then it's almost mm -hmm. like see let's see who's right about hope does that speak to what you're saying or well i, I know that well i guess in a sense it does that morgan freeman is placed up against andy as sort of the um counterpoint i suppose in that like discussion that they had in that but regard I, yeah yeah but i think that like um i think that by the point uh morgan freeman gets out of the prison we're supposed to think that andy has convinced him that like hope is a good thing to hold on to but yeah i mean i don't know how else to to read that scene other than Morgan Freeman has no hope of being paroled um, and just doesn't, doesn't care about it anymore. Um, and that's when he gets out, um, which is an odd thing for the movie to do. Because. Yeah. Well, because he uh, stated. it. <laughs> well, because. Uh, because hopelessness isn't the thing that's supposed to get you out of Shawshank. 
but he doesn't get out really until he turns to hope. But, but in that's that my scene, off the cuff scene when, he's take talking, on that. when he's talking to the the whoever they are, the board, he the he sunny. Yeah, he has no hope of getting out. He, that's he's exas- yeah. he's exasperated because he has lost all hope of getting out, and so he just tells them the truth, and that's what gets him out is is having no hope of getting out. Yeah, they're looking for that. They're looking. That's what I'm saying is that they were. Okay. It's really cruel that they were waiting for his spirit to be crushed to actually release him. Like, oh, okay. Now that we know that it doesn't, they they weren't looking to for him to really be reformed. They're just looking to further punish him, and only when he loses all hope and they know that he's they've done it, they've they've won, they've crushed his spirit, then they can release him because it's it's over. You know. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't dispute that. I'm just saying that I think that I think that there are. There's a competition in the movie, right? And Andy is on mm-hmm. the side of hope, and Morgan yes. Freeman is on the more cynical side of yes, certainly. Hope. And I think by that point in the movie, when uh, Morgan Freeman, when Red uh, is going to the parole board, I think in the sort of emotional tempo of the movie, we're supposed to think that Morgan Freeman is sort of like believing in Andy at this point and thinking that hope is a good thing to have hope is a good thing to be holding on to. Mm-hmm. But then the movie shows us this utterly hopeless moment that Red yep. has in front of the parole board, which mm-hmm. seems to go contrary to what the movie wants us to believe, which is that hope gets you out of Shawshank. But we have this scene that proves the opposite of that, that Red's hopelessness gets him sort out of. of Shawshank. At its face, I agree with you that it does. However, it's Red's test. For one thing, he he then needs to take what he's learned from Andy and then apply it to himself. Um, the other tier of that is that he did grow as a character and that he realized that it doesn't matter how much he kisses up to the parole board, it's not going to help. So he at least like lets go of that and is aloof of the bullshit process so that we see that he's grown. Um, but yeah, I, his I, real win comes when he decides to break parole and actually take that leap. So that it, it's up to him to take up Andy's mantle and follow through. I don't know if that, that helps you see it in a different yeah. way or, or not, but at, at its face, I see what you're saying, but it's really just a setup for his real, he really doesn't get out of prison until he breaks parole, I think, because he was really headed to, like, yes. that was kind of his death sentence. He was headed to yes. Brooks level suicide villain. and we're meant to think that he might be headed there as well. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it, it is, sorry, I, I know I'm talking about, but it is, it is odd because the, the scene where like, where um, Andy gets out of the hole, does that like two months span in the hole. And he tries mm-hmm. to tell the other prisoners that like, there's a place inside you that they don't get to. Yeah, and the music. Oh, the two-week hole thing. Yeah. Oh, was it? Was it then? Okay. It wasn't the two-month one. Yeah. It okay, was the. Yeah. It was the one after the music. After the midpoint. It's his first yeah, success. Yeah. That was the mm-hmm. midpoint, by the way. I'll say that now. I'll, I'll mention that. Oh, okay. The record when he plays the record. That's his first like success. You know that moment of freedom he creates. Yeah, and so he tries to tell the other prisoners that, like, as long as you have that, um you always have a sort of freedom. You're not, you know, you're not locked up. Yeah. 
Um, sure. And the other prisoners like don't get it at all. Um, and neither does Red. Um, but there, but he gives him that harmonica, right? And he does what he like just blows on it once to show that maybe it it there was a seed planted there. Yeah, that was another thing. It, we never see that harmonica again. <laughs> I, I thought for sure we'd see it again, but we don't. Yeah, they might have included that on the beach scene or something. I, yeah, I, on the beach or that would have been appropriate when he's on the bus after he decides to like yeah. buy the ticket and go find. Yeah, Andy that would have been nice. I'm gonna write yeah. Frank Darabont and tell him he messed up. There, yeah. there are a lot of like do a little George Lucas massaging on his movie. There's a lot of smaller oh, no. things like that that are like like it the this movie gets the macro stuff so good that like the micro stuff sticks out by nature of like you know how that works and uh like like the fact that he dug that tunnel like so long like they didn't need the tunnel to be that long like they could have made it like a hundred times more realistic and had it been like a two foot thick wall which like would have been believable i don't know how thick prison walls are i'm not going to like look it up so yeah make the wall like two feet thick and then it's believable but it's like 15 feet thick and it's like okay they show us him being very vigilant while he's first carving into the wall and like peeking out from behind the poster carving peeking out from behind the poster how is he doing that when he's 10 feet in crawling and like picking out the last five feet of that 15 feet? How is that's he right. being vigilant? Right. It's impossible. And there's other like, I mean, this that's the part I'm like talking that. about like, where if you start seeing those things, the illusion can start to, to waver. Yeah. And it's like, there are only, those things. There are they only yeah. stick out because yeah, because everything else, there's nothing to nitpick otherwise. Yeah. Um, well, I think as the movie goes, at least for me, like the veneer did start to come off. It's like, what prison is this that's full of these handsome, charismatic felons, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, sure, there's that stuff too. Yeah, exactly. There's only like yeah. one Yeah, there's always, it's always a movie. The there's always that kind of, there's always those kinds of things. And so the, the real trick is if you're going to watch the magician's left hand when he wants you to watch the right, you know? It does, so does it work or not? Well, I think, but I think the movie kind of sticks around too long and you start to see those things. Um, really? Like in the yeah. third act, maybe, or I well, I don't know. I don't know if there was a well, for me at least, I think it's like when when you start to get bored with a movie, you start to think about like, yeah, why like most guys in prison I probably wouldn't want to hang out with, but these guys seem all right, you know, even the ones that want to rape me seem okay, you know. Honey. These, yeah. <laughs> Hush. I I think I think that this movie didn't want to luxuriate in those kind of things. Like this is a dip you you know, like watching the series Oz on HBO is a way different experience than than watching this movie. This movie wasn't focused on giving you all the grim realities. Yeah, Oz definitely delivered that. you, You know. Have you guys yeah, seen Oz? AK Simmons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This movie was talking about theme of hope and humanity in much the same way as the the book in the movie The Road talked about hope and humanity. And that was a that that was a similar theme in, in that movie as well. That if you carry hope, that's a very dangerous thing you might miss something. You might miss the grim reality of the situation that you're in. You, you know, you might miss 
you, you, you're just using the prison example, someone shanking you in your sleep or someone, you, you, you know, wanting bodily harm on you. You got to be present. You got to be in the here. You know, you can't be fantasizing over there thinking that things will be okay uh, because, you know, they very well might not be in, you know. So I thought that that kind of stuff was interesting, but they wanted to, I, I don't think they want to give you like all that visceral. This wasn't no. a, a, like a visceral type of movie. It's more in the first act they do that. They focus on it just to show you, yes, that's an element. But I mean, I yeah. it's, it didn't rise to the level of where I was like, oh, that's bullshit. It was more like, yeah, probably I, I wouldn't, you know, these would not be the type of people I'd want to hang out with. But, you know, over time you would, uh, people tend to make, and I've even seen these like, the reality show where they put people into, have you seen this guys where they put people mm-hmm. into prison? Yep. I Lock, forget what it's the called. Lockdown ones. Yeah. 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 Well, no. Yeah, um, street was the yeah. Street. yeah. There's one where they put people well, the, who haven't done anything undercover into prison oh, and I just see how yes. 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 it's on Netflix right now. Um, but anyway, these, yep. they tend to, they do tend to make friends while they're there. And it's actually really surprising um, where outside of prison, they probably would never, never be friends uh but inside they somehow do that but i mean this is like andy's experience he he uniquely got dialed into that system after that first hell two years that he suffered um he -hmm. was able to get to a position where he didn't experience a lot of that stuff that we see in the first act anymore um but i imagine that you know other prisoners at shawshank probably had a shitty time the entire run of it you know um the only real friend that he walks away with i think is red um, that he might, that mm-hmm. he would keep in contact with afterwards. I, I guess he did. Well, actually, I re- now that I think about it for a minute, I remember the first time that I was like, okay, well, what are these guys really like? And it's the oh, opening, sure. and one of the opening, or at the very beginning of the movie where they're betting on who is yeah. going to cry first. Mm-hmm. And that one guy has the bet on the the fat guy. Yeah. And he's like, like one moment he's egging him on because he wants to win the bet. And then the next yeah. moment he's like, he's like rooting for the guy to shut up so he doesn't get the shit beat out of him. Yeah. Know? He's almost begging and him like, Hey man. Yeah. And it's like, okay, man, which of these guys is, are you, you know, are you the guy who wants to uh, eventually get this guy killed because of the beating he takes? Or are you the guy who's like uh, rooting for your like fellow comrade prisoner, you know? Um, and so I, I, that was, I think, the first time where I was like, okay, who are these people really supposed to be? Are they supposed to be like, I've had lovable, that thought too. Scamps, or are they fucking like murderers and rapists? You know. Well, both. They're trying to humanize people who've done terrible things, and right, so yeah. it's it's a complex. The people are complex, and I think at some point it just didn't. I think the very same thing that is lacking in Haywood which is the guy that ended up getting the, the guy killed um, is probably what ended him up in prison in the first place. That, that lack of judgment, you know, where he's like, Oh, uh, let's just good old fun betting and get carried away with it. And Oh shit, someone got hurt. Oh shit. He died. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of how a lot of, and I'm not a criminologist. Okay. I'm just speaking from, basic layman's experience but it seems like a lot of people who have high recidivism just can't get out of their own way almost more than they're trying to actively do harm they do stupid shit that ends up 
getting them in trouble. Well, yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the statistics, uh, the vast majority of people who go into prison, and, and there's such a thing as being like incarcerated for a long period of time. And there's such a thing as, you know, doing what they call life on the installment plan where you're in it kind of like the, the younger guy, you know, he's, you know, I've been going to prison since I was, you know, 13 in yeah. and out here doing a little bit there, doing a little bit there, that type of thing. Um, but the vast majority of people that go to prison are kind of broken in a way, not any more broken than I think people that don't, but substance abuse, sexual yeah. abuse. Yeah. I mean, when you start to really like take a microscope into the lives of uh, people that get inca incarcerated, it's, it's, it's a lot of those things. Y you know, there's only a small percentage that, man, these people like, like the people that you would be like, man, th this person should never get out, y you, you know, and see the light of day. And those kind of people you can see in some of these prison documentaries, too. Like they revel in causing uh, cruelty to others. They revel in being the gang le leader that orders deaths. It, you, yeah. you know, that's like yep. that's that's true their predators. Total yeah, they're, they're, exactly. You, you, I was going to say they've lost their ability to empathize with others as, as being people. Yeah. And I, I would say through, through my experience, the vast majority of people are that, that you know, make mistakes and, yeah. and are getting locked up or just trying to exist and survive and navigate um, what could be a really, really cruel environment. Oh yeah. Um, Think about it. I mean, the fact that we even need prisons, just as a society, let's just like go to 30,000 feet here. I mean, we need to lock up a big chunk of our society in order for our society to work. I mean, that shows me that we have like a long way to go yet to realize kind of our, our potential, our, our goal of maybe like maximizing well-being and, and, and decreasing suffering. Um, if that's the well, goal sure, of society. Sure. Um, yeah, we're lacking there. Ill just, it's not an all Ill on, just, on the people. that We used to have the criminal theory that you were born bad, that we've shown through research and study that that's not the case. You know, a, a society does, should take a, a responsibility in, in, in its part. Well, we can, we can um, see the ill just in raw numbers. Something mm, like we mm -hmm. we represent eight to ten percent of the world's population, yet we incarcerate twenty five percent of the world's incarcerated. So yeah, our society um, specifically here in America really is 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 what we're is on blast, right? Then, mm -hmm. hmm. yeah, something yeah, something definitely. weird there. Yeah, it's not it's not a good thing. It's a symptom, isn't it? Yeah, yes. yeah, it's it's bad news. And then most yeah. of those people yeah. are like minorities, right? Just like yeah. poor people. A disproportionate amount is is how I've read it. Yeah. It's well there there yeah, it's so bad. There's a sociologist. In fact, he um three years ago he did a talk at um it's almost kind of like a raisin awareness type of seminar that comes around every year. Uh there's a lot of like uh eco friendly you, you, you know 
discussions and uh, human rights. And, and, and I, I forget the name of it, but I went to this one. But he I mean, he wrote he wrote a couple of books on the, the brown and black prison pipeline from school to prison. And it starts real early in school. Even calling it a pipeline he, is chilling. Yeah, it well, it is chilling. Well, it's chilling when you when you uh, and I'm sorry that we're kind of devolving kind of from our, our movie talk. But when you get judges that are sentencing sentencing juvenile offenders to these private prisons and they're getting kickbacks and they get caught up in it guilty, kind of like this warden in this movie got caught up in his own graft. You you, you know, there capitalism ruins a lot of things. Yeah, yeah the fact that it's the not fact perfect. That, the fact that private prisons exist is like wild. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's just another symptom of how, how sick that is. Um, and people should it. take personal responsibility, but yeah, a lot you can't just put it on a one person's shoulder. We're all we're not islands unto ourselves. We live in a society together. We're all in this together, literally. It's not just a saying for a t-shirt. We literally are all in it. We've learned that through COVID. We all need to do you know what we can together to to get through whatever problems we face as a society. We all bear yeah. some responsibility. Yeah, I think um, I remember. Uh, I don't remember where I read it, but or uh, where it was in. But I think, but Plato, Plato says that you can you can gauge the health of a society by how many doctors and lawyers they have. And if you think about <laughs> the United States, what are probably like the two most res respected professions a person can? Have? If you say, if, even if you say profession, those are the top two. Yeah, right. Doctors you'll and get. lawyers, right? Yeah. So the the more unhealthy a, a society, the more doctors and lawyers they have. Um, because, oh boy! Because if your if your society is sick, you need more doctors, and if your society is litigious, you need more lawyers. So if your mm -hmm. society is unhealthy and fighting against itself, fighting within itself against each other constantly. You need a bunch of fucking doctors and lawyers. So, yeah. Hmm. I wonder if that's going to be the same prescription for what's going on in our in our current times. I mean, what is it? Something like 40% of people think that there's going to be a civil war. Um, where do doctors and lawyers fit into that equation? If, if that is true, you know, it does come a similar. About, but... Yeah, a related symptom, maybe. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Um, but uh, it's definitely feels pretty destabilized after all the things that have been going on the last few years. So, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, in that way, this movie remains relevant. Um, I, I want to play Red's intro because he is just such a fun intro and, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman narrating is just a joy. So it's a good little intro to that sets up his character. And it's just, this comes in just after his, when we first meet him in uh, the parole hearing when he gets denied. Hey, Red. How'd it go? Same old shit. Different day. Yeah. How do you feel? I'm up for rejection next week. Yeah, I got rejected last week. It happens. Hey, Red, front me your deck. Get the fuck out of my face, will oh, you, man? You went to me for five packs already. Four. Five. No, no, no. There must be a con like me in every prison in America. 
I'm the guy who can get it for you. Cigarettes, a bag of reefer, if that's your thing, a bottle of brandy to celebrate your kid's high school graduation, damn near anything within reason. Yes, sir, I'm a regular Sears and Roebuck. So when Andrew Dufresne came to me in 1949 and asked me to smuggle Rita Hayworth into the prison for him, I told him, no problem. You know, I was sitting here thinking while I was listening to that, uh, I want to talk about the passage of time, but just to circle back kind of what you were saying, Jim, you know, I wonder um, earlier on if if I was uh, black, if I would have a felony right now because I got into a little bit of trouble in my teenage years. Um, and just based on the mm-hmm. fact of the color of my skin and what I now know goes on with the system. Uh, in light of recent events that have been, you know, nationalized and, and, and you know, so it's in the, in the public uh, uh, vision. Uh, I, I, I'm wondering, like, you know, would they, when I got pulled over and not searched because I'm, I was a white kid, um, might I have been searched and they found a little bag of pot or something and then I would be in the system. Mm-hmm. And then they would have me, right? right. And then uh, yeah. uh, I would have maybe, you know, maybe they would have sentenced me egregiously and I would have learned to do another type of crime. And, you know, like, and then soon enough, you're a felon. And my life would have taken yeah. a very different trajectory. Um, so I wonder about those things. Um, just based off of what you're saying, I was kind of thinking about that. And it's, it, there's a good chance that I would... <laughs> you know, uh, have a, do that, do what you're talking about where it's a, what, wh- how did you put it? Uh, um, not pay as you go, uh, the, the payment plan uh, doing, or something. Doing, doing life on the, uh, our, our, yeah. Doing life on the installment the plan, installment plan. Just going in and out, in and out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it is railroaded. But anyway, that was just kind of a, another thought I had. Um, but yeah, the, if you're shooting a movie where you have to show the passage of a lot of time, um, there's a lot of thought that has to go into that to do it right, to not do it so it looks bad or cheesy with bad makeup effects and, and whatnot. So I think this did a good job of coming up with mechanisms for showing the passage of time and to not overdo the aging either to where we're like noticing it too much. Because yeah. I think if you overdo it, you'll notice it more. So they did it kind of tastefully. But one of the good mechanisms early on in the movie that I really liked, and this is just one of them, was uh, showing Jake the crow be like a little, I don't know what they call mm-hmm. little baby crows, not chicks, but a little a baby crow and, and grow up. And then uh, when he leaves, uh, and the other one was like changing the posters out. And then eventually, you, you know, you add a little gray into the hair and stuff. And then bingo, bango, people, the illusion holds, right? Did anyone, did anyone, it wasn't like Dracula where, where Devin just couldn't handle that, you know, it was too theatrical looking, you know, that the old guy just was an old, old guy makeup. Um, I think less is more in that sense. What do you guys think though? Yeah, I think they did a good job, particularly the warden. You could really see as his like hair color changed and hairstyle changed. Even he had like more of a buzz cut by the end of the movie. He was less uh, Mm -hmm. sort of prim and proper. Um, and, uh, I think that the only place it kind of fractured for me is just the the final escape scene because mm, okay. 
he is, I mean, he's over 20 when he gets in there. I don't know his exact age, but he's in his 20s. He's in there for about 20 years. Uh, he does not look like a 45-year-old man crawling through that tunnel and, like, pulling off his shirt at the end. He looks very young when he, like, strips naked. Yes. That is the yes. body of a 20-year-old man who is pulling his shirt off, not a 40-year-old yep. man who just sure. yep. climbed through. That's the filmmaking part. Hours. Yeah. And this is but a very filmmakery film, like you, you guys kind of mentioned before. Like, all that stuff's true. All of it applies, you know? Um, but yeah, it's it's a weird thing when you show passage of time. It's a hard thing to do. Even now with today's tools, I think things they some of the de aging just looks funny still, and I, I don't know. There's maybe it's in the performance when you move like a sixty year old man, but you look like a twenty year old. Something just doesn't work right there when they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're still working that out. But um, when you overdo it, it it clearly can have the opposite effect. Um, but yeah, when you show a 20 year old guy rip his shirt off, it's going to look like a 20 year old guy for sure. Unless yeah. he's yeah. taking, uh, uh, what is that product they made fun of on Saturday night live this week? Total T you got to take your total T or whatever it is. Yeah. Nugenics. Um, That's it. You guys have one, seen the commercials. Come on. I haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> no, Nugenics um, total T. Oh my God. Okay. No. It's pretty funny. Uh, well, one thing that that clip did bring out for me is just how good the uh, Morgan Freeman's acting is in this movie. I think that like, I mean, it's crazy. He didn't win an award for this. And uh, another thing, like, again, that kind of contrast of, of, you know, good and uh, the the small bad things being seeming so much larger because of all the good things. Every other actor in this movie, I could, it could be any other actor. They could, they could swap out every actor in this movie for another actor. Mm -hmm. I would not care at all, except for Morgan Freeman. It's like he is such an yeah. anchor point yeah. in in the acting. Like even in that clip, all the guys talking in the background, they're just like they just sound like generic like thugs from a Grand Theft Auto game. Yep. Like it's they're good they're and their characters. Yeah, they're fine. They do the job. They they perform what they need to. But it's just like yeah, he just completely stands out among. And the it's other. interesting you should say that because and I mentioned this. Frank Darabont always had Morgan Freeman in mind, and and you know so good his instincts were right. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was definitely the best part of this movie. He was great. Um, and um, could you look up who he lost to while we kind of plow forward? Yeah, I'll sure. play another clip because I am curious. I know that they, well, I think they lost the best picture to, be Forrest Gump. to Forrest Gump, but was it best? Did they lose best actor as well to Forrest Gump? Um, while you're looking Tom that up, Hanks. yeah. Um, did Tom Hanks win that one? Yeah, I, I could see him winning that one. Um, yeah. yeah, let's let's let me give a let me give a, a shout out to the good performance of this crazy like actor that played the guy who actually did the thing. Um, his retelling of the story is just so off putting. It's more like what I had, like what Pepe was saying, what I would have in mind if I got stuck in prison. Like, nah, this is the guy I would have to share a cell with. Yeah, this yeah, fucking yeah. guy. Like, this is how I, I expect scary. I would be. I would be totally afraid. Yeah, exactly. This is how I more imagine it would be. Um, I wouldn't get red. I wouldn't get that lucky. But good performance by the actor here. So, one night, like a joke, I say to him, I say, yeah, Elmo, who'd you kill? So he says, I got me this job one time, bussing tables at a country club so I could case all these big, rich pricks that come in. So I pick out this guy, Go in one night and do his place. 
He wakes up, gives me shit. So I killed him. Him and this tasty bitch he was with. <laughs> and that's the best part. She's fucking this prixie, this golf pro, but she's married to some other guy. <laughs> some hotshot banker. <laughs> and he's the one they pinned it on. That's the most amazing story I ever heard. What amazes me most is you were taken in by it, sir. A few things I want to say really quick um, about that clip. The passage of the way he handles the passage of time and moving the narrative retelling, because it's all like really a retelling, you know, from people's memories of this thing. The way it jumps from perspective, from character to character is so great. And efficient. I, I totally get why he watched Goodfellas. They do a they do a similar thing in that movie where it kind of bounces around and 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 shows it in that light. Super effective. Um the other thing is this is such a movie of like monologues. I bet like a lot of actors choose monologues from this film to to perform as a monologue, you know? Do a yeah, monologue. Absolutely. Okay, I'll do, you know, this from Shawshank or whatever. I bet that's a thing. I bet um, a lot of you know, casting people probably roll their eyes when they hear the the word shots. Right. And they're like another shots. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's like you're not Morgan Crew, Freeman. Like, yeah. Don't attempt it. It's something from this or the Quint monologue from Jaws. Right? Those are the only two monologues yep. anybody. Ever I does. actually, I didn't do the Quint monologue. I did do it. I was in a sound class and we had to recreate the sound from nothing and just have no dialogue, no sound. I took that scene and had to make the sound, uh, including the acting. So I actually did the Quint monologue. But not in like a acting, like a I'm trying to get a role type of way. Um, yeah, it was terrible. Quint's great. I'm not. I'm not that actor, so it <laughs> yeah. wasn't as good. It wasn't as good. So yeah, don't don't choose Morgan Freeman's monologue. Maybe take this guy's monologue. He's creepy as hell, but get a good laugh in there. Um, <laughs> that laugh, that wheezy laugh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that was very real feeling. Um, so yeah, that's so, that's what you'll really end up with if you go. Every so every category that Shawshank was uh, nominated for, including um, best actor, it lost to Forrest Gump, except for best original score, it lost to The Lion King, which is always kind of a cheat when a musical wins best score. It's like, yeah, of course, it's it's about the yeah. music. Duh. Yeah, um, best yeah, sound, best sound, it lost to Speed. Like, all right, that's a really, that's yeah. a weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! And uh, best cinematography, it lost to Legends of the Fall. Huh. Well, that's, well, that's Brad Pitt, right? Legend like, of the Fall, know? Brad Pitt, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember that movie. I watched that a lot. That was one of those ones that also played on HBO nonstop for like two decades. So I've seen Legends of the Fall probably more than I, than my fair share. Um, interesting. So it was Tom Hanks then, specifically? Uh, yeah, for Best Actor, it was Tom Hanks. Yeah, and all, all the yeah. Other, uh, that was one of the couple of them. Sure. Didn't he win previously for Philadelphia or something too? Or am I mistaken? I know he's he has a couple statues. Um, yeah, anyway, sure. yeah, yeah, it's okay. Um, I thought it was interesting structurally that they literally waited till after the midpoint to introduce Warden Norton's criminal behavior. And that was one of those things where, like, if you're looking for the structure and you're focusing on that, the illusion falters because it's it's just like very convenient, you know? 
oh, by the way, the warden's totally crooked. And by the way, uh, Captain mm-hmm. Hadley is a murderer, you know, conveniently leaving this opening for Andy to actually get out, you know. And uh, by the way, he needs you to make a fake identity that will be conveniently ready for you to, <laughs> to march into yeah. a bank and make a withdrawal on the day you leave. So uh, although it right. works, it's still an illusion. But I mean, I, yeah, I give him credit for it rather than take away. It, it, it tends to work unless you're, you know, looking at the wrong spot. Um, but I will play uh, play that scene because it's a good bit of exposition. Exposition's hard. It's hard to make it interesting and not boring. I think they do a pretty good job here of describing the scam. He's a phantom, an apparition. Second cousin to Harvey the Rabbit. I conjured him out of thin air. He doesn't exist, except on paper. Andy, you can't just make a person up. Well, sure you can. You know how the system works, where the cracks are. It's amazing what you can accomplish by mail. Mr. Stevens has a birth certificate, driver's license, social security number. You're shitting me. If they ever trace any of those accounts, they're going to wind up chasing a figment of my imagination. I'll be damned. Did I say you were good? Shit, you're a Rembrandt. You know, the funny thing is, on the outside, I was an honest man, straight as an arrow. I had to come to prison to be a crook. Ah! <laughs> which i've also heard is pretty pretty well true that people learn to be criminals in when they go to prisons definitely at least here it's not about uh reforming much yeah um some talented mr ripley crossover there you know creating a, a fake identity to funnel the money to and then later he becomes mm-hmm. that fake identity you know yeah right he steps yeah. into it yeah and that and there was a similar level of convenience that you aren't really supposed to pay attention to, you know, don't look at the convenience behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's, it really, you know, when you start to look at the wrong thing, but, um, it's, it's a great, um, they, they do a great job of, of, of putting these things in where it just really all, all of a sudden, all these things that you didn't see earlier are paying off, and it's just a joy from mm-hmm. the third act when he breaks out. Just you're, they're hitting you every scene with these great things, like oh, uh, salvation lies within. You know how he dug the, the Bible and was just using it to hide the rock hammer. Um, even like early on, like very much in the beginning, they they even hits the whole classic salting the audience thing. Can you get Rita Hayworth? Well, of course I can, Andy. Just give me a couple of weeks. What's he talking about? How is he going to do it? You know, how does that come come to pass? So yeah. they they hook you in there and they continue to do it, and then they, you know, they pay it all off with the super fun uh, uplift at the end there. And they actually the original ending yeah. didn't show them on the beach together. They they uh, wrote that in because somebody said the feedback that they needed to they owed the audience that at the end. Yeah. I, I really particularly enjoyed um, the the Bible and being used uh, and, and the payoff later on when the warden finds it in his safe because when they, you know, they throw his cell, you know, searching around, uh, Andy has the Bible, you know, in his hand because, you know, at that point, it's got the rock hammer in there. Yep, and then he comes out of the cell, and the warden, you know, is basically just trying to f- figure out what kind of man he is. Yeah, 
takes the Bible from him and looks at it. He literally had, you, you know, something that would have spoiled Andy's plan real early on right in his hand. You, you know, yep. I just love that. It was like I a, it was like a part. 20 year wait to give him that middle finger by leaving that Bible in the safe. It was Andy's yeah. way of saying, fuck you, Warden Norton. Um, I'll play the shot yeah. when Warden Norton does go into the, or I'll play the scene when he goes into the cell. Another convenience that you're not supposed to notice, um, that Red is conveniently there in the cell to witness Warden Norton figuring out how Andy got out. Um, but they, they mm-hmm. did it in a way that felt organic, I thought, again, because he was his buddy and he wanted to, you know, know what the hell he knew. But yep. the idea, I don't think they would probably let an inmate stand there, uh, you know, jaw agape, just watching Norton, the warden have a melt. I think they'd probably get him out of there. Sure. But um, it works, you know. You don't you don't think about it too much when you're watching it. Uh, the scene is good. It's part of the part where we do the huge swing up from where we're... We, I mean, we go from a place where we think Andy's probably going to kill himself or may have killed himself to um, everyone getting their comeuppance who deserved it in, in a very satisfying way. And here's Norton's. Well... I see you two all the time. You're thick as thieves, you are. He must have said something. Also, Warden. Not a word. Lord, it's a miracle! Man up and vanished like a fart in the wind. Nothing left but some damn rocks on the windowsill and that cupcake on the wall. Let's ask her. Maybe she knows. What say there, fussy britches? Feel like talking? Ah, guess not. Why should she be any different? This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! Including her. That's a good little sound bit there. Um, it's funny because in the Green Mile, it ends up actually being a conspiracy when they get the guy out of there. Uh, so I don't know if Stephen mm-hmm. King wrote that after this or if that was part of the original uh, short story or not. But um, I, if I was Norton, I'd probably think it was a conspiracy too. Everyone loves Andy. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. the guards would let him out or something. Um, but yeah, I want to know, Devin, it was your first watching. It's probably been too long for the rest of us to remember. Did those twists land? Did you see them coming? Well, the, I mean, him escaping like totally didn't because it, this has been parodied so many times. Like I said, sure. I, I okay. mentioned the Family Guy yep. episode. That's basically You're not a, shot, a sequestered you know, juror. Basically yeah. a remake. Yeah. Um, the there's also a community episode. I don't know if you've gotten to this in your community watching Ben. There's a community episode based on Shawshank. No, no, I haven't seen that well. one yet. Wow. I look forward to that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, it's, it's one of those things I've just seen it so many times. I was more looking for clues to it early on and, and aside from the rock hammer, they really don't give you the breadcrumbs. They don't want you to necessarily figure it out before mm-hmm. it happens. Um, and like, yeah, you know, he has the rock hammer, but I feel like you might immediately think he's going to use it to tunnel out. And then as they the throw movie you goes off. on, yeah, as the movie goes on, you're like, okay, it doesn't seem like it because he does seem to be currying favor as if he expects to be there a long time. And like his reaction to finding out that that they found or that that 
the, the other guy who the guy who actually killed his wife is out there, he reacts to it in such a hopeful way as he does everything that you're like, okay, he really does seem to want to find a way out in some other way. Legitimately would be better. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's almost, it almost kind of reminded me again of, of Thomas Ripley's sort of gathering little bits that he can use later. We were talking about that, about how like, yeah, maybe he's not even mm-hmm. conscious of how he's going to utilize it at first. Yeah. He's like storing things for later. Um, like, seeing the safe code, which I guess he didn't never, he never actually did. I totally expected him to be spying the safe code, which I mean, he winds up yeah. not even needing. Yep. He just swaps it, the books. Yeah, but. they don't spoon feed it to you. It's kind of implied that, you know, over probably 10 years, Andy's standing there, he eventually would have pieced together what the safe code was. Yeah, but then they don't even use it because he just swaps the books out um, to get that great reveal uh-huh. of the Bible. Oh, um, yeah, good point, yeah, you know? Yeah, I didn't yeah, even realize so was, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay, fair enough. I expected it to go one way and it went the other, but uh, yeah. But still, I assumed it did go one way. I just forgot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, good good, on you. But yeah, he's constantly trying to win friends, both inmates and guards, and like, uh, turns out he didn't, doesn't, doesn't need either to make his escape. He doesn't get any help, um, which is also kind of Keeps a noble his own counsel. Yeah, yeah, it's a kind of a noble thing that he doesn't implicate anyone else in his escape. No, he but, didn't. And uh, yep. manages to do it without sacrifice, so yeah. Cared about uh, him enough cool. to not involve them so that he, yeah, he knew that Red would be able to answer honestly, like, I don't, I, he didn't say nothing to me. Um, and yeah, I bought it when he said that. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, so I'll play, uh, I'll play one more clip. Just, it's going to go back to the beginning here. Um, to, the I think this is the trial, just because I think it's another good performance. If this prosecuting attorney laid out this case, I'd probably convict Andy too. Um, even though a lot of it has to do with the way he says stuff, it just seems like he's guilty mm-hmm. because there's no hard evidence. A trial like this really comes down to do you believe the uh the perp, the alleged perpetrator of the crime or not? Um, and so I'd have to say that the prosecuting attorney really really did a number on him here i mean he probably he all of them thought he did it anyway we all thought he was guilty right when they arrived he went up to the house and murdered them no i was sobering up i got back in the car and i drove home to sleep it off along the way i stopped and i threw my gun into the royal river i feel i've been very clear on this point well, where I get hazy is where the cleaning woman shows up the following morning and finds your wife in bed with her lover riddled with 38 caliber bullets. Now, does that strike you as a fantastic coincidence, Mr. Dufresne, or is it just me? Yes, it does. Yet you still maintain that you threw your gun into the river before the murders took place. That's very convenient. It's the truth. Police dragged that river for three days and nary a gun was found. So there could be no comparison made between your gun and the bullets taken from the blood-stained corpses of the victims. And that also is very convenient, isn't it, Mr. Dufresne? Since I am innocent of this crime, sir, I find it decidedly inconvenient that the gun was never found. Yeah, that would have been nice for him. Um, the Royal River that they mentioned that he throws the gun in, and Jim, you may have picked up on this, is the same river that is in Stand By Me. It takes place in the same universe. In fact, uh, in one of those stories, they mentioned that Andy Dufresne, uh, this is me reading from like trivia or whatever, uh, 
that yeah. Andy Dufresne is mentioned as having done somebody from one of the other's stories as taxes or something like that, or did some banking for them back before he was arrested. So he wrote it as if yeah, they all I, kind of took place in the same universe. Is that your memory? Yeah, well, I don't, I didn't remember those, um, the Royal River or the fact that Andy Dufresne does taxes, but I do know that reading Stephen, you know, I've read a lot of his work kill throw easter eggs you know and then there's magnum opus being um the gunslinger series uh you know it's kind of his take on on certain themes and stuff which are really cool but yeah he throw he seeds i think most of his books with easter eggs that have tie-ins to other stories in fact i think there's uh websites that you can visit that try to you know piece all of these different things together isn't there so some kind of fan theory that about kind of that stuff? where like all his horror stories the theory is take place in the same world or universe where they all kind of follow if you look at the fundamentals they all kind of follow similar rules or something yeah have you heard that a, well it's a common theory and also mm-hmm. is, is kind of the basis of the show castle rock which is i think one of my early one more things mm. i believe i talked about it when i first mm-hmm. started watching it and i don't mm. haven't finished it there's still a season i think i haven't watched but that is a show that essentially presumes that not only do they take place all in the same universe all these stories take place in one town in maine in castle rock yeah and uh and like all of this stuff is like layered on top of itself in fact in the show Shawshank is very oddly in like the center of town it's like in a metropolitan town like oh, wow. with city that streets and you can go to a gas station across the street from Shawshank it's just like there and so it's sort of like a um a very unrealistic representation of like Stephen King's universe like just Stephen Kingland yeah like crammed into one <laughs> small town in Maine. England <laughs> yeah it's almost England. uncanny it's weird but it's it gives a very strange effect of like just all this sort of weird stuff happening all at once. I used to like vacationing in Kingland, but they raised the uh, entrance fee to the park uh, again, and it's just getting too expensive yeah. to take the kids. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone, I wonder everyone if wants to stay in the misery house. You have to book the misery house like right? a year in advance. Yeah. Oh, totally. At least a year. Yeah. Yeah, I got married I in the misery if, house. Uh, Luckily, I, I moved out. If Kingland is if Kingland is next to uh, Lovecraft Country. Uh, yeah, I think right smack in the middle. Yeah. Although it's supposed to be Maine, they're both in Florida. So <laughs> <laughs> because they don't close Florida, Clark. Okay, so I think we have enough to grade the Shawshank Redemption, which is what we were discussing. Um, and nothing else. And I we'll we'll what we're gonna find out here really uh is whether or not Pepe really likes vanilla ice cream or he's ambivalent towards vanilla ice cream or he dislikes Mm -hmm. vanilla ice cream so uh, all the vanilla ice cream coming up next but first it's time for a short commercial break and now a word from our sponsors are you a guy who can get things for people do you need a job but the world's up and got itself in a big damned hurry well Consider becoming a personal shopper for reds.com.www forward slash reds thoughts. At reds.com.www forward slash reds thoughts, we live by our slogan, 
guys who can get you things. So if you're a guy who can get things, you can work for Reds. You'll be part of a growing team of guys who keep hope alive for our customers, delivering such items as cigarettes, a bag of reefer if that's your thing, a bottle of bourbon for your kid's high school graduation, <laughs> also rocks, rock hammers, and movie stars. <laughs> also rocks. Sorry, you'll have to go through one of our competitors for your numerous and various harmonica needs. Uh, Reds is a growing company you can be proud to be a part of. We're getting so big, you might say we're institutionalized. Promise us, if you ever get out, create an account. Just take the bus outside of Buxton, and at the end of a long rock wall, you'll find a rock which has no earthly business in a maiden hayfield. There you'll find a login button under the black volcanic glass. Pry it up. Good. Now type in the password, say what in AU42069. What do you mean it didn't work? <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't know how it's spelled. Nobody <laughs> does. Yes, Reds. We're the guys who know how to get things. Disclaimer. Reds doesn't care what you think, Sonny. So just stamp your card and we'll be on our way. And be sure to double bag like the lady says. Also, we're sick of waking up scared all the time. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Reds. <laughs> Reds.com.www forward slash Reds Thoughts. Inside, we were important. Out here, all you need is the yellow pages. <laughs> Excellent. Stop. Oh, oh my God. Scared all the time. Yeah. That's <laughs> so sad. Yeah. I don't think Red knows how the internet works. He's got his WWs. Right? That's actually a joke from The Office. Did you guys catch that reference or no? I didn't. Yay. Yay. Good job, Pepe. Um, okay, so speaking of things Pepe hates, let's, uh, <laughs> let's figure out the grades for this. Okay, so uh, yeah, A, because I can't give it an A+. Plus. What, what can I say? I've been talking on it for probably two hours now. So I'll leave it there. Much more curious about where you guys uh, grade Shawshank Redemption. Devin? Yeah, I think that if you, uh, if you really sat me down, I could probably keep coming up with tiny little nitpicks of this movie. But at the end of the day, I, I had a hell of a time <laughs> tiny watching nitpicks. it. <laughs> I had a hell of a time watching it. It was, it was fun to watch. It, it went down smooth. and that That's is, what I was counting on. That's good enough for me. So that's an A. Yeah. How can you fucking complain? It's Shawshank Redemption. Oh, look well, at, no, wait. Look well, at Pepe. Yeah, let's leave it to Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First 4.0, baby. Let's have it, Pepe. Man. Two See, scoops. Uh, God. What, the same people who say that, like, this is their favorite movie say that, like, Harry Potter is their favorite book. It's just like this... Oh, I well, what? Oh, Harry God. Potter's not your favorite book? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, no, Harry Potter's not my favorite book. No. <laughs> this isn't my favorite movie, but it's definitely an A for me. No, I just think that, like, like this movie is, um, is like the people, is like the movie that people who don't, watch a lot of movies have seen and think is like the best movie like they can't imagine a movie that is better than this in the same way that like 
people who read like New York Times bestsellers can't imagine how like <laughs> anyone could have like a greater literary achievement than Harry Potter. Pepe's grade is dangling like the sword of Damocles. <laughs> well, no, I'm so confused. Okay, because like in the past, like I don't, I have to, you have to give this movie a, a pretty good grade because it's just, there's, there's so little wrong with it. It's so competently done, but it's like competently done in the way that like, this is the right way to do all these things in like the boringest way possible. It's, but in it's, my, but just, I know what you're saying. Cause you, we've kind of went through this yeah. before, but you know what I didn't say was for me, when I watch this, it still delivers on the viewing. So you have to base it off of that, you know, which I expect isn't going to be an A for you based on what you said. Well, um, for me, the viewing was an A. Uh, on top of the other things as a filmmaker, if I put that hat down and I'm not like focused on all that stuff that I know is there, if I just watch it, I'm thoroughly entertained and all those emotional moments work for me still. And um, and so I, that's really the reason I, I can give it an A that readily. So, I mean, you know, yeah. try basing it off of that and where does it take you? Um, well, e even I don't then, want an I A think... based off of technically it's an A, you know, that doesn't seem no, genuine to is, me. No, I'm not, I would never, well, okay. Sir, I you think... injure me. Yeah, no, no. I, it, it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think if I were to give if I were to like give this movie a grade based on like the watch of it that I just had yesterday, I think it would be unfairly low um, because I think it's a better movie. It should factor in obje at least, objectively yeah. speaking th than that. Um, I think, you know, I looked, I saw the, um, the like tomato meter score as a 91. And I was like a low a sounds pretty right on for this movie. Um, but I think, just because I think that's going to be a B plus for me. I, I agree with all you guys. I think it's a good movie and it's easy to watch. And all of those things, it's got good actors in it. Everything about it is good, but like, there's just no, I don't know. There's no meat on it. I would rather someone like swing for the fences and miss than just like get on base, you know? To me, this was Are you a, saying that a, a grand slam. Um, Are you saying that it has but, style but no sub substance? Is that what you're saying? Um, I, Those well, things you say it's lacking, I feel like it is asking us to do something that at least in the 90s with like the whole super predator laws going on and the draconian prison system and, and all that starting up, it, it asked you to look at prisoners at, like people. And I think that was probably a, a unique thing. I know that they had a, what was the prison film with um, uh, uh, Paul, uh, oh, God damn it, what's his name? Oh, Paul Newman. Uh, yeah, Paul, Paul Newman. Newman. He had a prison movie that kind of, I saw later on that reminded me kind of of this one. Yeah, I was actually, I was going to bring that up in my one more thing, because I think if you want to see a version of this movie that's much better, uh, you should see Cool Hand Luke. You should. Which, cool Hand Luke's yeah. good. Um. However, on American the technical me. side, they, they don't do it as well. I don't know. No. Cool Hand Luke seems... Right. I have to watch Cool Hand Luke again. I feel was, like I wouldn't stand different... up as well. Yeah. It's a little... Cool Hand Luke to me was a little caricature-ish. 
that's based just solely off memory. It's been too long, though. I have to watch it again. I really did like Cool Hand Luke a lot, quite a bit. It did remind me a lot of Shawshank. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've had our conversation about this movie. I feel like... My boy can eat 50 eggs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes nothing's a real cool hand, man. Um, (laughs) And yeah, and I think... Yeah, this movie is like putting lipstick on a pig. It's just like you're. It it looks nice. It goes down easy. I don't. You know, I was thinking about like, what does this movie say about like prison and the people that are in there? I'm not sure it has a lot to say about it. I I'm not. It does. It does like personalize the people, but in a, a to me a kind of like unbelievable, almost kind of saccharine way but but also like this movie takes place in like the night like a lot of it takes place in like the 1950s and i think the world was just or at least like we have this idea of the world looking back as like that is the way people were in the 1950s they were just sort of this like ah shucks kind of nicer more polite more civilized maybe even your like wife and child murderers are like yeah he's probably like he's probably a pretty nice guy it was definitely more of like a a cookie cutter ideal that people aspire to. Like if, if you like, if you fashion back then, for example, if you went out without your hat, right. Yeah. That was actually a really big deal uh, back then. You know, you were out of, uh, you were not like, just like everybody else. So yeah, that conformity was huge. And I think some of that translates into people that conform or, uh, or just typically that conformity looks clean. Maybe. And kind of the cleanliness of the image back then lends you to to feel safe or or something like that. Maybe I'm falling short, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just kind of going at a hot take here. But there is well, something I, to that. I, I'll give you that. There's something to that where where we kind of feel that way. Like there's a there's a Disney esque feeling about that era that we kind of harken back to with with uh, rose colored glasses. That wasn't the reality yeah. of the time either. It never was. That was never a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be a B plus for me. I mean, I, sure. yeah, I think that, I think that's fair. Um, uh, definitely, you know, you got to base it off of how your watch was. Um, so I didn't expect well, I it. Try a, not yeah. to, I try not to do that. I, I mean, you can watch any one movie in any given day, you know, and it'll be, I try to have a more, I try to, try to be more a little more circumspect than that you know and i think that this movie deserves i think this movie deserves the accolades it gets like there's a reason why it was nominated for all those awards i don't i wouldn't dispute that yeah i just don't think that it's that interesting you know i guess we're not going to agree on how much meat there was on the bone um so we'll just leave it at that for now okay Um, yeah yeah. um so yeah that's cool uh I'll, i'll accept a I'll, I'll I'll rate your B plus as acceptable. All right, Jim. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> let's let's get yours uh, in there as well. Factor that in. What what did you think, Jim? We we well we can't revisit one more time because I I found it very interesting the comment about you know if you haven't seen a lot of movies you would think this movie is great in the same vein that if you haven't read a lot of books you would think Harry Potter's great. Well, not let's that, talk about not that, that some more. Not that it's. <laughs> Not that it's great, but that it's the best. Like, there is no way to achieve a higher level of 
literature than Harry Potter or filmmaking than Shawshank. Mm, okay, I see your point. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. implying that if you had more re- better, if you're better read and watching more movies, that you'll find stuff uh, like The Fall and November. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, like this movie is like missionary sex or something. You know? <laughs> like, it's really, great. really great missionary <laughs> sex. With two scoops Even of vanilla. Bad sex is good sex, right? Yeah. The woman has the woman, you know, How the can you complain? The person you're having sex with has is attractive. Yeah, no, they're not, a ten. Not, you, you, well, they're like a they're like an eight. If you're translating 45. this movie, it, it has to be that the, the person is the person you want to be with. They're not gonna yeah, but it's definitely I, I like your analogy. I mean it is it's missionary, right? You're you're gonna yeah, be you're gonna be there's not you know gonna be any getting. uh yeah, exactly. Like both people might have orgasms. One definitely will. No, no. If this movie both have to do it, I mean, if we're translating correctly, I mean, they both they both achieve it simultaneously, and it's well done. Oh, it's just no, missionary. I mean, if, if I'm part of this movie sexual congress, I'm not having the orgasm in this. I'm having a good time, Whoa. but I'm probably not going to come. Sometimes just having a good time. Even without I might orgasm, myself off later. Having a good yeah. time. I mean, You're gonna yeah. go, yeah. You'll go watch November later and finish yourself <laughs> off. Yeah, right. No, I'll watch <laughs> Cool Hand Luke and just yeah. There you go. There's so many scenes in Cool Hand Luke that this just like took off. Like there's a there's a road tarring scene. Yes, in but cool Hand Luke. Stephen King admitted that he based this movie off of all the prison films he liked. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a very real reason why that why yeah. you feel that way. And I just learned that today right. when I was doing research. So that it makes mm-hmm. sense. There's a lot of those prison tropes in there. Yeah. Okay. So have we given you enough? To, oh, have you graded the movie yet? Yeah. yeah we're, we were talking gonna, about. Yeah. No. I'm sorry. Enough okay. about me. Yeah. What yeah. Let's get say? let's get another grade in there. Never enough. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear more more about what Devin has to say about what Pepe had said. <laughs> Second conversation. No comment. Yeah, it seems like Pepe, you brought up a lot of uh, good points after the conversation was over. They make you it's like we try to keep getting out, but we keep getting pulled back in. Mm-hmm. Quoting good fellas. Uh, so I'll be short and sweet. Uh, y- you know, I I I love a movie about platonic love between two men. But I also love a movie, you know, about love with sex between two men. So, anyways, I'll give this movie an A. Just on that. All right. <laughs> I had to throw the sex in I there. I love that. Yeah, My exactly. Bad. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Excellent. I'll take it. All right. So, that gives us a pretty strong grade there. But does it get Shawshank to the top I don't think of this is going to be our so highest. I, I think 12 Angry Men's still going to be. That's this pretty movie. freaking high. It's pretty high, though, yeah. Well, it will get Shawshank Redemption to the level of Get Out, as it has perfectly right. tried. Yeah, also had three A's and an A minus, or three A's and a B plus for Get Out, um, and so they are both three point eight threes. The so it's still beaten by Silence of the Lambs, Roma, okay. and Twelve Angry Men at three point eight six, three point eight eight, and three point eight six respectively. Um, but yeah, pretty good company. It's a good it company. In. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's surprising we had two that were that high in the same series. That rarely happens. Hmm. In fact, this whole series yeah. was pretty highly rated. We had in order 3.83, 3.18, 3.5, and 3.83. So all A students, basically. Excellent. 3.18 Excellent. Lower, well, they're getting nominated for the Oscars for reasons, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. 
for well, sure. Well, I mean, you know, uh, the grades have been uh, favorable to us all this series. It's just that they've been slightly more favorable to me. <laughs> my film. <laughs> so I can I love that. the competition. Yeah, you get it. someone writing an email that is either agreeing or vehemently disagreeing with me about this. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, we're getting into show business here soon. Um, but I will mention since you brought it up, we are two. Pe- I'm assuming they're the same two people from Japan downloaded another two episodes, and we oh, got nice. our first. Nice. We got our first like Chilean us. this oh. week. So, yeah, I don't know what they're watching. Um, but uh, yeah, we got one. Roma, so we're, we're, we're now a global Roma, yeah. media organization in a true yeah. sense of the word. Hmm. We're on every continent. I oh, know we haven't gotten Antarctica yet. Okay. Uh, speaking of um, not getting to things yet, <laughs> we need to roll for the next yes. episode for oh, series yeah, eight, excited. which I, is adventure films. I, we determined I, that last week. Um, which hell yeah, I'm so looking forward to adventure films. Be, Come on, yeah, I ho- I hope this, this is, is gonna good. be great. Um, so who's rolling first? I'm assuming Devin. Am I uh, are we prepared. going with that? Yeah, yeah, good, 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 good. good. <laughs> I am uh prepared, <laughs> you, I am indubitably, sir. Indubitably, <laughs> he's a fucking I am not. <laughs> Do you hear that conf- that steely confidence in his in his that's, voice? That swagger, <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, sir. <laughs> All right, so. Without further ado, we're going to roll some dice, our favorite part of life. Uh, and we're going to see what fate has for in store for us for Series 8, Episode 1. Yay! It's a two. Whoa! It's a two. It's a two. We will be watching a movie called The Princess Bride. 1987 hey. <laughs> streaming yeah. on Disney Plus and Hulu. The Princess Bride will kick off adventure films. Well, I heard an F you. What was that about? I missed that. No, I said fuck yeah. Like, oh, fuck great. yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's how I felt too. Okay, good. I knew adventure films would be a good one. Okay, great. So join us for mm-hmm. that uh, in a fortnight, two weeks from now, because we take our week break in between series. Uh, and uh, series is. Yeah. Okay, so that was roll for the next episode. Uh, we do have show business, which is when we award uh, the Who Dundee. Um, but start off, uh, starting off um, with show business, I have a retraction. Uh, last Hello. show, sadly, when answering a question in Japanese, I stated Kwaki Serpi Niku. Uh, the answer, of course, is Kwaki Serpi Piku. Uh, our sincerest apologies for that error, and we will strive to be better. Uh, fan emails, you can write to ben at redhenmedia.com, and we may respond on the show. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Uh, did we get something wrong? Did we get more than one thing wrong? Did we get a plethora wrong? An entire plethora? Did you arrive at the same conclusions as James Pepe and therefore discover um, oh, absolute truth? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, let us know how we're doing. Um, did you learn something new? Or is, do you already know this stuff? Let me know. Where are you listening from? Questions, comments? Right to the show. All right. So um, we are, have arrived at my favorite part of the series when we award trophies for things. So hey. let's kick it off. The Who Dundee Awards. The, the seventh annual 
And for some reason, <laughs> annual means every few weeks for us. It means something different. It's like parsecs yeah. in Star Wars. It doesn't mean what you think it means. It means something else in that galaxy. So this will be the seventh annual Hoodundies. Yeah, you don't know if bi-monthly means every other month or every two weeks. Yeah, exactly. That crap. Yeah. Exactly right. right. Parsec. This is kind of like, oh, man. Don't get me started on parsecs. I know. I know. I have a whole thing about that, too. I got All a right. type five on parsecs. I'm using the remote. I'm clicking the channel on. The award show's starting up, and... Oh, so wistful. Esteemed guests, welcome to the Who Dundee Awards, where we present the winner of this series, Who Done It competition, with their trophy. This prestigious honor is to be conferred upon the co-host with the most points at the end of the series, hereto forthwith. Now, here to present the award is former Who Dundee champion, me! Yay. Thanks, me. What a fine job you did handing that off to me. Um, so, without further ado, the envelope, please. If I'm reading this correct, the winner for Series 7 is our very own, surprisingly enough, Jim Scott. Yay! Yay Good job, Jim. Did, Jim. You did it. Yay. And here is your statue. Uh, oh, for the second time in a row, Jim is winning hottest in awesome. the Office Award. Well done, oh, Jim. Let me do the magic of the internet. Oh, he's, look at it. He's I'm going to hand that already. down. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's traveling in at high you. speeds. Yeah, oh, very shit. good. <laughs> All right, Jim. Uh, welcome to the two timers club. Me and you. Oh my god, that's right. You're the two. You're the two two timers. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta be, join that. Uh, I want to be like George Jessen and blast past you there, buddy. Yeah, sir. Yeah. Oh, okay. it's on. Competition is fierce, folks. Yeah, I like that. Um, Game's always on. Any anything, uh, any <laughs> tricks you can share with the kids at home who dream of being a two-time uh, Who Dundee award winner, Jim? Um, advice for the little ones? Yeah, uh, I would say wake up early. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, sure. right. yep. Go to school. Yeah, yeah, stay in school. Go to school. Read plenty of books. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. And be a, a, a lover of film. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Mm. And eat your Wheaties. Necessarily in that order. He got, yeah. the, he got the sponsorship. <laughs> he nailed it. Yeah. Time, that, uh, time uh, the sponsors are lining up. That contract's going to come through. That's right. That's right. It, sh it certainly is. <laughs> the Wheaties contract. It'll be on your desk <laughs> in the morning. Now you'll be <laughs> on a disgusting cereal box. Mmm. Mmm. Wheat. <laughs> So it's crushed wheat. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're telling me? I always dip my rye bread in, or my fucking like my wheat bread in my milk. Yummy. What was that? What was that movie uh that was about the Kellogg's uh guys that came out in like early 2000, the late 90s? You remember that one, Pepe? Oh, I do. Literally got Kellogg. Uh and it was uh starring some notable actor or other. It just popped in my head, but yeah, that was a weird one. Kevin, I, I gotta, I, I gotta force you to watch that one. 
I think you'll, I think you'd enjoy it. Well, he, he made the, he I can't made the, you like it or hate it. So I need to, I need you to watch it. You see? So he made that cereal to keep, keep dudes from, from jerking it off. Yeah, that's right. It was so weird. And, and not mm-hmm. all of it's true, but it's such an interesting, I can't remember the, for the life of me, but there was a weird, mm. it's a weird health movement at the turn of last century where they just thought all kinds of bizarre crap. Uh, maybe that can be my just one uh, more thing because we have the to road to Wellville. Is that what you're? Yes, the road to Wellville. That's it. Yes, I highly oh, wow. recommend. It's starring Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins plays Kellogg. Yeah, Doctor Kellogg, a notable off jerking enthusiast. <laughs> yeah, strange yeah. role for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! On that note, uh, I think we're gonna wrap up the show, guys. <laughs> 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 oh shit just one more thing oh no I didn't do it uh, I threw the gun in the lake Columbo <laughs> please uh, <laughs> same attorney that uh, poor Andy Dufresne had jeez that guy was good at his job a little too good uh, we've reached uh, the segment of the show we call just one more thing uh, where each co-host shares a little something from outside of the show uh, something brief I'll, I'll, I'll say that mine was the uh, road to Wellsville um, since it, we're talking about quirky uh, uh, crap for a cereal as well as a period piece, someone got breakfast cereal all over my period piece. That's uh, that's uh, your road to Wellsville, and it has uh, Dana Dana Carvey is is in it as well in a weird quirky role. Um, he's for some reason after uh, Wayne's World he stopped um, acting as much, but this was one of the ones he did. I think he had some health problems or something. If I remember correctly, he had to have like a bypass surgery or something. Um, pretty serious stuff. Oh, wow. So that may have been why, because he was in, he was starring and stuff. I don't know how, how well his films did. I never looked it up, but you know, he's a talent. So he was in this one and it was just so weird what people thought about health back then. And they were very confident of it at the time. They thought this stuff was good and it was actually really hurting people. Um, so Kellogg was a crazy guy, but he launched a cereal industry. So. If you want to know about that, check out the Road to Wellsville. Oh, Matthew Broderick is in it as well. Um, There's a lot of oh, stories. Wow. In this I love John Matthew Cusack. Broderick. It was, it was a uh, yes, exactly. Uh, it was definitely like who's who in Hollywood at the time was in this. Um, as Pepe uh, so fondly states, uh, the skies were dark when when this one happened. <laughs> yeah, right. but it wasn't that well known, which is interesting. Um, I almost want to say it felt like a Coen Brothers film, but I don't quote me on that. It, it, it was something like that, though. Uh, it was some some good writer. Anyway, so that'll be my that'll serve for my just one more thing since I kind of organically found it there. Uh, Devin, what have you got for us this week? Yeah, well, briefly I wanted to mention too. If you want the compressed version of the Kellogg story, the first season of uh, um, the Food That Built America, uh, the it's on Hulu. It's a documentary series it. about yeah, yes. yeah. So they also go over Kellogg and that in, in a shorter probably imagine I imagine a shorter maybe character. less dramatic format but yeah very interesting story a lot of other cool stories in there henry hines is also a great uh good so you're familiar with him in that sense so um, you go into it armed with that knowledge it would benefit you yeah yeah cool uh, i'm gonna do a quick tandem one more thing since i've missed a couple weeks of this this great segment uh i'll be brief the first is a show that i just finished on netflix that i i alluded to last week briefly um archive 81 Mm -hmm. yes Uh, and my cue uh, yeah, I just finished. It was absolutely excellent. Um, it is it really? is totally in the vein of um, like Mirror, uh, Black Mirror, and Stranger Things. Both Netflix, obviously, they like Great. 
these sort of types of stories. Oh, I don't wow. want to say too much about, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. What was but... the one sentence premise again? Because I, I, I forget what it was about, to be oh, honest. I had the one sentence premise from for Fringe. I don't have a one sentence premise for this one. This one's too hard to put into one sentence. Oh, um, okay. Okay. But it is it is a thriller that becomes slow like slowly builds and becomes more thrilling as as the series goes on, basically. Um, hmm. It's like an onion. There's just like all kinds of layers and you never really know what's happening until you suddenly know what's happening. Netflix um, is bringing it. Um, yeah. yeah I got to say for like new IP, uh, you know, a lot of the other companies are really leaning heavy on old IP and, but Netflix is just bringing like new stuff to where the point is still like, there's all these um, options, but I still tend to go to Netflix first for my streaming. Yeah. Check yep. there first. Yep. And then, well, yeah, the quality one wasn't their IP. That was it's based on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, um, okay. But still, um, I think that their their yeah, shows are right. there's yeah, their they're shows developing are always... new IP though. They're not saying like Spider Man ten or whatever, which is fine too. Give me a good Spider Man movie, but they they tend to try new stuff more often, new untested stuff. Yeah. And despite putting out a lot of stuff, they are tend to be of a consistent quality where like it's at least going to be watchable. Mm -hmm. There's you're probably not gonna just be like, God, this is trash. Like it'll it'll at least be you know, proficiently produced, if nothing else. And this is beyond that. Right. Um Archive One is is really good. And yeah, highly recommend it, especially if you're a thriller or horror kind of fan and, and like other Netflix original. Oh yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jim, great. I think you would absolutely love it. Um also it's on, it's on, yeah, my list. on top of that, I've also been playing Dying Light 2, speaking of horror. Um, this is the new game from Techland, who made uh, Zombie Island and, of course, Dying Light 1. Uh, just Dying Light, as it was known. Um, it is a parkour post-apocalyptic... Well, I don't know why I started with parkour. It's a post-apocalyptic zombie action game that also focuses heavily on parkour and sort of mobility. Um, it is a very interesting... Well, it's a it's a pretty generic post-apocalyptic world honestly and it is a triumph that they have taken what is a fairly generic world and made such a fun game within it um it has is a it single of, player it, it is primarily but you can join other people's games and call for help from mm -hmm. other players so it's okay. sort of a hybrid in that sense but it is kind of like fables did that line. i remember yeah from the microsoft is, game you could kind of jump in but it was mostly a single player venue yeah within the logic of the game you are the only pc you know so to speak um but uh yeah it, it is it is something about the way it feels to play is just so enjoyable like moving around combat feels really good it, it's all melee combat essentially there are no guns in this game unlike the first one and you are just smashing the shit out of zombies with you know croquet bat or whatever your your preferred zombie Fun. movie reference yeah um so yeah it is it is a ton of fun and i absolutely recommend it especially if you're fans of like fallout Left for Dead, uh, you know yep. things like that. It gives me a lot of vibes from that. You know, I'm not a super huge zombie guy, except for video games. They just it provides the it's just the best format for zombies. It just provides you the best like unguilty way of like being violent. You know, like there's yeah. just no you're you're actually helping them because they're sick, right? You're putting them down. You're doing a service. You know, uh, yeah. so it's just it's great so i love zombie video games specifically uh zombie stories if it's a good story i'll like it but i'm not like a, a huge enthusiast but damn it, also it. yeah i'll works, play dying light i, I imagine i'll play great. the second one it works great for video games too because of the like variety of different types of zombies like no one bats an eye if there's like a fast zombie or 
you know, a zombie that can scream and attract others, like all of that's totally fine. But like, if you made that just people, like if you had a, a character and you, you know, like suddenly there's a guy and he's super fast and he's like jumping around, you're like, what the fuck is going on? If they were just human enemies, but with zombies, like they can make 40 different types of zombies. And it's like, yeah, this all makes sense in my mind. I, this isn't weird at all. Um, yeah. which they, you can't do that with a lot of other enemy yeah. types. So, you know, gives you a lot of room to, to develop in the game. Yep. Going to be playing some zombie games tonight. Let's just say that. All right, James Pepe, what have you got for us this week on just one more thing? Yeah. Okay. I will do, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of like thinking and revisiting old stuff. So I'll do, a, I'll do a rapid fire of some old stuff. So first, cool hand, Luke, if you like Shawshank, even if you think it's the bait, fucking, Shawshank is the best, <laughs> uh, go ahead and watch uh, cool hand, Luke, because it's also great. Um, it is. I, I I started listening to the audiobook of Shadow of the Torturer, which I, I've talked about before. It was one of our first episodes, which you probably shouldn't listen to. But um, <laughs> I'm scared to go back and listen to the first yeah, episodes, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, um, if you like if you like dying Earth uh, genre, if you like fantasy, if you like science fiction, if you like um, sort of puzzle books, um, go ahead and pick up. Uh, Gene Wolfe's Shadow of the Torture and then read the rest of the series. Uh, the whole series together is called Book of the New Sun. I feel like you've um, mentioned Gene Wolfe before. Yeah, I yeah. almost bought a Gene Wolfe book today when I was in uh, Point Reyes and I bought that book, Project Hail Mary. I, oh, you I bought that much, much worse book. I was literally <laughs> a Gene Wolfe book in my hand and I was like, and I was like where have I heard this, this author before and I couldn't remember. Do you remember and, which book it was? Uh, you've chosen... If Holy. I looked at a bunch of covers, I'd probably be able to find it, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay, was it Interlibrary Loan? What? Was it Interlibrary Loan? Okay, so, no. might there have been a security camera that we can go back and check some footage? Well, I might have some be, queued up now. I feel like we should uh, devote the rest of our podcast to just figuring out what, I know. <laughs> what book I thought we on. already were. I thought that was already just kind of agreed <laughs> to non-verbally. Uh, you know, it actually was the Shadow of the Torturer. I'm looking at the okay. cover. Uh -huh. yeah, absolutely, this one. Yeah, am. Yeah, memories well, a thing. Uh, good job. That's a good one. Yeah. Thanks, Evolution. Um, Devin, you'd probably hate that book. You're probably happy you didn't buy it. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> good, good, good to know. But you've mentioned Gene Wolfe before, right, Pepe? Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite authors, but he is so hard to recommend because his books, um require a lot of patience and multiple readings, which is hard. And for me, especially that is a hard ask. I, I read so slowly. It doesn't matter what I'm reading. Um, I basically read at the same speed and getting through um, book of the new sun. Uh, the first time, the first time I tried to get through it, I couldn't, I just put it down. And then I took, it took listening to the audiobook, I think, for me to get through it. And then I re, and then I read it, read it, read it. And I, there's just something about it. Um, it's a world that's so well realized and so masterfully written that I, I think about that book like every day. It's, it's crazy. Um, I like it a lot. And so God, I, recently, I love books like that. that you just recently, kind of uh, you get so fascinated by the world or the story that you just revisit it throughout your day. You, sometimes yeah. I'm not even conscious that I'm 
or not completely conscious that I do that. But as you mentioned that, yeah, that's a thing for sure. That's a nice benefit from a good book. Yeah. So anyway, I would, I would encourage everyone to give it a shot um, and stick, stick with it. Uh, but are you recommending that I check out the audiobook first? Because I've been doing a lot of audiobooks biking around with my yeah, all-metal you know, gearbox um, uh, Rider X52 volt. You know, I would, I would recommend the audiobook. I would recommend the Jonathan Davis audiobook. That's the Audible one. Okay, or, that's, I have Audible, so that's easy enough. Yeah, or I would recommend um, a Kindle, like a like an ebook version of it, because you can much more easily look up words you don't know that way, and you're going to have to look up a lot of words. At least Speaking I of, okay, yeah, no, that's good, and I love doing that too. That's one of the ways you. That's one of the main ways I've built my vocabulary. Uh, you just look up shit. Even in, I remember my early days in college because high school just utterly failed me as an institution. Um, but I learned on my own because I was an avid reader though. Um, mostly, but even in college, I remember early days I would, uh, you know, you get your textbook and it was just a lot of it was looking up terms and stuff and, and making sure you understood what the fuck they were talking about at first, you know, bootstraps. Mm-hmm. That's interesting yeah. stuff. Um, the, the audio book is, it's interesting listening to the audio book of it because hearing someone read it to you, um, you don't get hung up on the vocabulary because when you're reading and you don't know a word, you have to spend more time on that word than just yeah. going through the sentence. But yeah. with someone reading it to you, you don't get tripped up and you kind of, yeah. there's a certain sort of uh, inertia where you kind of keep going. Kind of expedite it a bit. The words don't, so, sense. none of the words in it are made up, but a lot of them you don't necessarily need to know um, the very specific meaning of them to kind of glean what's going on in the, in, in the scene. Are words interesting like that too? The abstract nature of a lot of words we just kind of pick up from people saying them in contexts yeah. and, and and with the emotion they imbue, we, we somehow glean a meaning. I mean, it can go terribly wrong too, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but a lot of the time we pick up language like that. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, a couple of years Kindle ago. Kindle Paperwhites? Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to ask about Kindle Paperwhites. Anyone have one or have opinions about them? Did, did, are they because I, I don't like reading on my phone and my tablets tend to be a little too heavy and I'm I'm just wondering about that you know are they really I mean, good or should you just go with printed word I mean I've used like, like I had a Kindle Fire for a while and I mostly use it for reading comics because yeah I, the I, fire yeah, yeah yeah it's not it's not as nice these paper wipes are supposed to be like really easy in the eyes and stuff yeah, I wonder I, mean, I never I, I don't know anyone out. who has they're, one though they're fairly inexpensive it's not a huge risk you, know, you can get one for like 50 bucks these days if not less. Yeah, one of these days uh, i gotta so. pick one of those up yeah check it out i bought um, a uh, i bought an onyx books or uh so a similar thing too yeah and i i had to have that one because um i need to be able to write on the on the like academic articles that i read mm-hmm. and this one allows you to write on it and I've been, but I've read some full books on it now, which I've never really done before. Even when I had my Kindle Fire, I didn't like reading on that that much. But this one has an e-ink screen, and it is—it's good for reading, for reading. Books. So you're yeah. saying from experience that it does—it is easier to read. Yeah, I like it, it better because I, like be, I hate reading Kindle on Fire. tablets. And yeah, exactly. I have a, a Hunter has a few Kindle Fires that he's built up over the years, and I've used them here and there. I've used tablets and computer screens. But it's just hard on the eyes. I, it's yeah. still like, so I'm, yeah, I'll try one out at some point. Anyway, that's kind of a personal thing. Jim, what have you got for us this week? 
Oh, did you have something else, Devin? Oh, were you gonna say? I just I was just gonna mention before we we moved on that. Sure, uh, sure. Uh, speaking of the vocabulary thing, I have one a couple years back. I got like a, a thought in my head to read the Once in Future King, and I bought like a real nice. Yeah, I bought like a really yeah. nice vintage copy that I'm still like glad that I own. But I literally opened it to the first page and was like, I do not understand this language. And I put it down and put it away. <laughs> like, I'm an English major. Oh, and I, wow. I could not translate that book. It is like such like crusty old English. It's like, oh, man. No, Devin, no. It can be challenging. <laughs> Have you read any of the like classics yeah. from the 1700s or anything like Treasure I've Island and crap like that? translation of Beowulf that was oh, like, interesting. in a way that I felt, it felt as if it really preserved like the original story, but also made it like very readable, which I think there probably exist versions of The Once and Future King like that, where it's been sort of updated to be readable without changing the original sort of intention. It's called The Princess Bride. We're going to watch it uh, next week. There you go. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. All right, Jim, what do you got? Um, I got a couple of things real quick. I think me and Devin are watching uh, Netflix uh, quite often because there is a lot of super good shows. So, And there are both genres that are close to my heart. So the first one uh, will be Arcane. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Devin, the League of Legends episode one. three. My God. At the end of episode three. Um, the I'm style, on episode three of that one. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. So good. Um, the style. And I don't watch a lot of animation anyways. But to me, this is just I, I, I really enjoy the story. Uh, so, you know, if you're interested in sci-fi fantasy uh utopia dystopia type concepts check that out uh going to switching now to horror genre um i just re-watched uh the 2003 um texas chainsaw massacre with some co-workers directed and by watch the um rob zombie robert zombie was did he direct that one did he direct the remake i don't know i, I don't thought know he who did. the director is i Maybe because it's got that dark kind of. He did House of a Thousand Corpses, and that was a big success. And then they gave him a couple more to do, and I thought that was one of them, but I could be wrong. Devil's Rejects. I know he did a Halloween one. I'll I'll have to look. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he did Halloween and Halloween too. Anyway, Uh, so you watched the he did whatever whoever directed it. You watched the 2003 remake. Yeah, and then we were gonna watch the 2006 one, which is the beginning, uh, but lack of time plus i was getting a little tired and trying to get ready for this this you know our thing yeah uh but the reason why i mention those is because uh the newest incarnation of uh texas jones hall massacre drops on february 18th and uh even though i love adventure films which is the current thing that we are doing how to shout out those horror films as they're as they come so. absolutely and uh yeah, that was a base. The original movie came out in the seventies, if I'm not mistaken, and it was yes. an independent film, redefined, seven, maybe defined slashers as a genre, and it was loosely based on Ed Gain. I want to say, yeah, mm-hmm. who was a serial killer, yep. um, and I, I think it was Ed Gain, and probably I would imagine just urban legends about. That yeah, weird exactly. Hillbilly family, modern mythology. You, you know what I mean, kind of like they both mm-hmm. have eyes. Thousand yeah. of a Thousand Corpses yeah, yeah. was similar 
to that mm-hmm. movie. In yep. fact, it was very much inspired by it. And so I, that's why I think it, I was, I'm pretty confident it was him, but I'll, I'll look it up later. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's pretty great. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Jim. And thanks everyone for your recommendations as always. Um, yeah. Uh, on the, on the Netflix note, actually they dropped a, and, and the true crime note, they dropped another season of a true crime thing on Netflix that I just devoured in like one sitting. Uh, like a couple wow. nights ago, season two of uh, "To Catch a Killer," I think is what it, if I'm memory serves. Mm. Um, so yeah, they got it all, man. Netflix is doing great. Good job, guys. Um, all right, I think that actually is the real end of the show. I'm afraid to yeah. say. Um, the show just it, it's been so short. I feel like we're coming up short on time here for some reason. When Devin doesn't have to work, we really uh, lean into the discussion more. Yeah, <laughs> like, luxury. Yeah, Italy. exactly. The luxury. <laughs> it happens. Um, however, so does the end of the show eventually. As soon as I find the sound, <laughs> you want to play chess, Jim? I'll go run a bath. Yeah, go run a bath chess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what was it they said about bath chess in the news recently, Pepe? Oh, <laughs> you mean? Oh, you mean that press release that the Italian bath chess league uh, released? Yeah. Oh, there was something about that floating around the news. It was something like uh, bath chess not as gay as movie makes out makes it out to be. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. Bath chess is like an institution. If if yeah, bath I mean, chess, yeah. If, if if taking a bath and playing chess is wrong, I don't want to be right. And so that's the only way to play. I've never played outside of the bath. I'll do shower chess once in a while, but the rules are a little bit different. It's a little modified. But bath chess is truly where my heart lies. On that note, now the bell's tolling. Oh, Jesus. No, on that note. I think I'll miss you most of all. Dorothy is here to let us know, guys, it's overtime to say goodbye. I'm not crying. The audience <laughs> is crying. So let's say goodbye, <laughs> starting with Devin. I've been Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz one on Twitter and game over, man. Game over. There it is. I missed it. All right. Cool, man. Uh, and James Pepe. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've been James Pepe and, uh, thanks for coming out and either watching us or listening to us in your ears. And I hope to see you guys back watching or listening, uh, in two weeks time. Yes. Two weeks. In two weeks. Yeah. We'll see you in two weeks. Uh, and we do hope to see you then. And Jim Scott. Yeah, I'm Jim Scott. Thank you for tuning in to us uh, as we have a roundtable discussion of all things great and small with the films that we review. And uh, farewell, general listeners and friends. Take care. Oh, man. oh there's the trophy. He's, he's taunting us. Yep, it's on. <laughs> Series 8. <laughs> and this has been I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to smash that like button, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And today's parting sentiment, hope 
is a good thing, maybe the best thing. Remember the name of the town. Say it with me now. Say what? And remember to watch The Princess Bride, 1987, now streaming on Disney Plus or Hulu. Take your pick. Um, so we'll see you for in two weeks' time for that one. Until next time, keep on looking!